listening to Revelations Radio News with Andrew Hoffman and Tim Kilkenny, a listener-supported podcast located at revelationsradionews.com. Podcasting to you from the sunny forest of Meadowdale, Washington, where I am extremely happy to be alive. Alive. I am one of your hosts, and my name is Tim <laughs> Kilkenny. I'm from Cascade Locks, Oregon, in the spineless Columbia River Gorge. I'm Andrew Hoffman. Spineless Columbia River Gorge. What does this mean? I don't understand. Lots of spinelessness. <laughs> Are you talking There's... about your outdoor mask mandate? Oh, I'm talking about just the reaction of everyone who should know better, uh, just going right along with it, thinking if we comply, this will all be over soon. Comply our way out of this thing, man. Yeah, we can, we can do it. Yep. You're not not feeling that today? No, no, I'm 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 glad we're doing a show. I got I got some uh, rants to to get off my chest, so. I have a few rants to get off my chest as well. So uh, it should be an interesting show. Um, but go but ahead. I, you know, I, I wanted to start off with some good news for people. Good news. And, I'm ready. I'm ready. And, I also have I also have a cool story for the end, like maybe one of the last stories. So. Yeah, this is uh, this is good right. news for everyone. And it's Here's, the first first clip I've got there. I'm feeling and, some feeling some sarcasm already is this yeah. not we're not we're not <laughs> well no this is you know if assuming this is true and he's a, a you know a government spokesperson so it must be true this is very good news 85 million people in this country have received one of the mrna vaccines either the pfizer uh, or the moderna vaccines and if you look at the only side effect that those vaccines have had has been a type of inflammation around the heart called myocarditis. It's very, very rare, and it's typically very mild. Not one person, this is an important number, not one person in this country has died as a result of the 185 million people who have received the vaccine. I wish aspirin had a safety profile that good. There you go. Safer than aspirin. Great no news. One, no one has died. That that. It's absolutely great news. And, uh, you know, he's that's Michael o- Osterholm, of course, um, you know, who's he's it's not like he's a positive person in general. You know, COVID's going to kill us all. There are waves, hurricanes, everything's coming at us. But the vaccine, it's safer than aspirin. And uh, moving on to the, the next one, we've got a, just an average mom, just this clip on Twitter. And they ask her, you know, she's got her kid there that she's taking to get vaccinated. Uh, And they ask her if she's, you know, has any concerns. I can't believe that the government would put out a shot that would really negatively impact the health of my child. (laughs) There you go. She, She can't believe the government would do something like that. This is, you know. Uh, and honestly, I, I mean, she's probably a nice lady and that's logically like, would she put out something that would hurt other people's children? No. So that's her lens that she sees it through. Uh, but 
but we can we can move on unfortunately back to reality and this is from ivory hecker ivoryhecker.com people may remember that she is the one who quit a local fox station in the middle of a broadcast uh, and talked about censorship of her and what you know what stories they could do what stories they couldn't do texas arizona uh, uh i think texas okay yeah because there was two that did this i think yeah the the gal who quit there was an anchor who quit in arizona who's running for arizona government governor nice um but yeah this ivory hecker has her own website and you know obviously we only have the audio but Visually, it's a very well put together news story, and it, if you compare it with local news stories that are actually on TV, <laughs> it's a big step up. Let's just say she didn't, you know, she wasn't not talented enough to make it on local TV. This was a legitimate, uh, you know, crisis of conscience, and, and good for her. She's out there doing actual news now. Real quick, before we get into this video, and I'm excited to hear it, does she ever, like, use the terms safe and effective? Because I feel like you have to, if you're going to be a news source, a crit- <laughs> critical news source, do you have to, does, yeah. does, she, does she say safe and effective Yeah, you know, news? believe it or not, she, yeah. and this is a long report, she does the entire report, talks to a wide variety of people, you know, yep. government representatives, what have you. Yep, very good. Cool. Uh, but... She herself does not come to the conclusion that the vaccines are, in fact, safe and effective. Wait, and she's a she's a, a newsreader. She's a just well, a former newsreader, former newsreader, decent looking person that goes on the TV and uh, stands up and she doesn't say safe and effective. Yeah, well, not anymore. So That's now she's a, a crackpot. Like the rest ah. of us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> same, same. Yeah. News outlets are known for highlighting those impacted worst by crime, those impacted worst by hurricanes, those impacted worst by coronavirus. But people whose lives have been forever changed after taking vaccines are shunned and ignored. When I was at Fox, my bosses told me not to cover the deaths of those who have taken the COVID-19 vaccine. The CDC is now reporting nearly 3,000 people have died after vaccination so far. There's too much to get into on some of these deaths to know what other factors uh, people have. I don't want to, I don't, the deaths are not what we're talking about. I don't want to put everything out there of everybody who's scared to death of everything because, you know, anything has potential risk. So now that I've left Fox, I think it's the right thing to do to let people see what Fox didn't want them to see, the untold stories of the pandemic. And one of them is the story of Ernesto Ramirez and his dad, Ernest, in Edinburgh, Texas. God told me it was always me, you would get the world. They came out where the Pfizer was safe for children. Phase three clinical trial showed this vaccine was safe and 100% effective in 12 to 15 year olds. Uh, I waited some time and I kept hearing more advertisement about, yeah, it was safe for the teenagers. For 16 year old Brianna Justice of Brooklyn, a shot of hope. 
No worries, as long as it's a Pfizer. 16 and up, now eligible for the vaccine. So I said, okay, you know, we, we don't go anywhere, but still he's gonna have to start school, so I took him. Where did he get the he shot? He got the shot at the DHR hospital. They went to the park a few days after he got vaccinated. They went to the park down the street. She said they were playing basketball and he was running and he just collapsed, you know. They called me screaming. They were trying to do CPR. The police officer happened to be there, and he was the one trying to do CPR. They couldn't, they couldn't do anything. He got the shot April 19th, and then he died April 24th. 24th. I watch uh, NBC, the news, and just, you know, I would always keep up with that to make sure. Did you know that the vaccine was still in trials, no, being studied? Not really. I believe what they were saying. They were saying, no, health is perfect for the kids. There was no issues. Two, three weeks later is when they started coming out. CDC started announcing about it being, you know, affecting children having enlarged hearts. CDC is investigating more than 300 cases of painful heart inflammation in young people after they were vaccinated against COVID-19. The CDC said the higher rate of cases occurred, especially among young men. When this happened to me, that's what they put on this. Uh, death certificate. He passed due to an enlarged heart. He was healthy. Ernest says it took about three and a half months of waiting, even getting a lawyer involved before a copy of his son's autopsy was finally released to him. So finally, magically, the, the report came out. It came through. Did it mention the vaccines at all? Or? No. It did confirm Ernesto died of an enlarged heart, also called cardiomegaly. I called the hospital where he was pronounced dead to get some answers. We No word of a death after vaccination at Edinburgh Regional Medical Center. And when they double checked and confirmed that is where Ernesto died, they wouldn't get into details. We can't talk about the issue. So I tried speaking in generalities. Has your hospital dealt with any Did you file a VAERS report? No, I didn't even know about that. Ernest says he'd never heard of VAERS, the CDC's vaccine adverse events reporting system, and he hasn't gotten anywhere when trying to get answers on the Pfizer shot and his son's death. When I call for any, anyone, I get to run around. I email the governor, no response. I uh, Texas called, Department of State Health Services? I called them, they've transferred me to six different people. And finally, I, they, I ended up at a voicemail, which I left my name and number, and to this day, I haven't been contacted back. He was a healthy kid. I mean, there was nothing wrong. He played baseball since he was seven years old. And then they, they start uh, announcing that it was worth the risk. The benefits of getting vaccinated far, far, far outweigh 
any of the potential um, risks or side effects? It wasn't worth the risk, not to me. None of this was worth my son's life. He, he, he was my best friend, you know. How many deaths associated with COVID-19 vaccines have happened in Hidalgo County? None. none. As far as I'm aware, none. No. We've given uh, almost a million vaccines. Would you be able to do an in-person interview after? Yeah, absolutely. The dad says he's struggling to get through to anyone, that the state won't get back to him on this. He should what call me. He should call me. Uh, here it says he has extensive, acute, and chronic scarring fibrosis. So we know he has a process going on a lot more than four days. That's not to say that the vaccine didn't contribute, of course, because you can always exacerbate an underlying condition. Yeah, all that, all that means is heart's enlarged, but it didn't tell you why. He has left ventricular hypertrophy, which means that the muscle of his heart had gotten large, but that could be from the blood vessels themselves. Well, he got his heart checked every year. Yeah, but he, he, when you do a school physical, which is the extent of it, you don't really get your heart checked. You listen to the heart, it doesn't say anything. You have to get a 2D echo ultrasound. Kids that died less than 18 had multiple comorbidities, obesity, or respiratory problems. Yeah, right. this boy didn't. Not his BMI was 27 because I looked him up. So his uh, BMI was really high. If it's the same child that was running, <clears throat> apparently he was running, he was sprinting, and he collapsed, hit his head, and arrived dead on arrival to the hospital. You're saying he was obese? Yeah, yeah this boy was not. This is him, and uh, this is him after he died. Doesn't look obese to me. Yeah. He looks to go back. So if he looks like a regular guy. He looks like a regular 16-year-old guy. There's no weight on the chart. It's just a BMI mm -hmm. 27. Wow. So they they may have made a mistake. Probably on so. Right? Probably so. I uh, did call the health department to see what they've done subsequently. Yeah. Yes, D. What'd you find out about that kid? But the father says that he had that he was vaccinated. He didn't show on the intro. DHR Health. He got vaccinated at DHR Health on 4-19-21. See if there's been an adverse uh, reaction recorded too, and if not, we need to start one. Man, it's not anywhere. Thank you. He's not recorded as they having been vaccinated. They can't find him on the intrack. You know what intrack is? Immunization tracking. You get the shot, and you go into a system. Mm. And you have to match up with that lot number. That that little vial has a little number on it. So it has to match up. So and he so, wasn't recorded. Now I know for us at the beginning, and we were running like a month behind. You know, I mean, we had all these sheets of stuff that we oh, needed to do. Oh, just trying to process trying to, yeah, the paperwork. I mean, we were, we were, so he, he could have slipped through the cracks. I mean, think about this. We were immunizing 8,000 people a day. Wow. And so you got, what, 10 clerks or something? So oh, it took my us like, gosh. It took us like about six weeks to catch up. Wow. It's like, gosh, well, his, his story just slipped through the cracks. How many people are like him? Is the death rate actually higher after And I would say, and I would say, and I would say that uh, in all likelihood, it probably is. Because when you do something in this country, whatever it is, 330 million, 350 million in the world, 4.1 billion, yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely going to happen. I think at the end of the day, you're going to say what I've come to the conclusion, which is given the risk versus benefit ratio, vaccination should be done. And certain people that have had adverse effects shouldn't be done. Next up, I asked cardiologist and internist, Dr. Peter McCullough, to take a look at Ernesto's autopsy. The heart was enlarged, but it was enlarged because of myocarditis. There was evidence of heart inflammation, uh, fibrosis and scarring in the heart. A typical heart weighs for a boy this age would be less than 250 grams. In this case, it was more than 500 grams. It was more than twice enlarged. In June, it emerged that uh, both Pfizer and Moderna 
were associated with myocarditis or heart inflammation, the vaccines, and the FDA put a warning out on it. And they, they had about 200 well-characterized cases at that time. As of July 30th, the CDC now tells us they verified 3728 cases of myocarditis or heart inflammation. We know the vaccine in a person his age in the randomized trial published by Frank and colleagues in the New England Journal of Medicine in May 27th of this year, people like him who took the vaccine uh, randomized versus placebo, the only thing the vaccine did is prevent about 18 cases of the sniffles. There was no mention of family spread, no mention of any serious disease. COVID essentially is like a cold in children. It certainly doesn't require a vaccine. I need to yell, I need to fight, I need to do something. His life was worth much more than what the government or anybody else thinks. So now you're suing Pfizer? Yes. I mean, like I said, no amount of money can bring my son back. Uh, to me, this is murder. It's somebody has to answer to it. What we're trying to do or working to do is gather a group of individuals to take on the drug manufacturers. And the standard is extremely high to get outside the PrEP Act. You have to show that the conduct was malicious. The issue that we're struggling with is that Congress passed what's called the PrEP Act. And the PrEP Act gives the manufacturers of the vaccine and those administering it huge immunity. So you've got a group that's making trillions of dollars, taxpayer dollars, because all these vaccines are being administered for free, but they're not really free because we're paying for it with our taxpayer dollars. And if there's an adverse event, then there's another statute that gives them huge um, protection from liability. So it's almost the best of both worlds for the manufacturer and the administrator of the uh, vaccine, but for the individual who has an adverse uh, consequence, it's the worst of both worlds. I take it like it was my fault. I shouldn't have been so ignorant. He meant the world to me. I had nothing else. Anything else you want to say? No, just people, parents have to vaccinate their children. That's it. I mean, mm. you know, I don't care what anybody says, it's not worth the risk. The FDA's website says if you have a severe reaction to the Pfizer shot, first go to your hospital, then it's a good idea to call the vaccine provider. Also document what happened to you on the CDC's VAERS database, that's V-A-E-R-S online. If you're not getting anywhere with that, reach out to attorney Jared Woodfill. He is gathering a group of patients who've had severe reactions or death to try to go up against these vaccine manufacturers. As for Ernest, he is planning a trip to D.C. to tell his son's story. If you want to support him, you can go to his GoFundMe called Junior's Voice. As always, you can send me your story ideas and feedback. Email me ivory at ivoryhecker.com. Thanks so much for watching. I'm Ivory Hecker. So there, there's quite a bit of visual stuff in that report. Um, you see his actual, you know, vaccine card. And, man, I mean, not only did they claim he didn't die from the vaccine, they didn't even have him recorded as being vaccinated. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> which, uh, which, which is, you know, th this shows the layers, okay? Yes, yeah, yeah. You know, th that's how you get to no one's died. Yeah. No one's died because... If you died, you didn't die from the vaccine. And maybe if we can get away with it, if it's not 13 days or 14 days past your second dose, we'll just say you never had a vaccine. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah, unvaccinated, right? You're yeah. unvaccinated if you're not 14 days past your dose. So the people that are dying are all unvaccinated. Yeah, and this is the the meme going around too. The died after a short illness, right? The people that are reported as having died after a short illness, i.e., vaccine reaction. But anyway, interesting. So a couple, I had a couple of thoughts on this video because this is the first time I've actually seen it too, and I in the video will be in the show notes for sure, and I do encourage people to watch it, but I had never actually seen it. So um, my first thought was uh, the optics of the, you know, the guy just wanted to, uh, the, the the physician uh, just wanted, mm-hmm. hey, let's let's have a talk. And he lets this lady in and she's just, you know, she's really nice and personable. She's good looking. And so he's just like, well, let's, let's just try and iron this out right here. But the <laughs> optics of them standing in his, what I just probably is his house which is enormous <laughs> mm-hmm. and it's got this big staircase and he's just like, no, 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 he's overweight. He's BMI is too high. And it's he hit his head seven, which is dead, you know, dead on arrival and blah, 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 blah. Just the optics of that video are pretty terrible for him. And I feel bad for him because I think he really was honest and just trying to figure out what was going on. Um, but it's, it's, a, it's a bad look. <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a bad look. Yeah. Good. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's reprimanded. Uh, the other thing is the immune track. Well, you know, we had immune track or whatever it was called uh, here in Texas. And if you get vaccinated, it all goes into this database. Mm-hmm. And that's something that we have here, too. Um, anytime you get vaccinated, any child that gets vaccinated goes into a database in the state of Washington. They, the government knows which vaccines people have had and which they haven't. Yes. So it's interesting that they all of a sudden can't figure this out and they give everybody this you know, disposable cardstock card that, you know, oh, this is your proof. And it's when really there is medical records, I'm sure, of all of this oh, stuff. Oh, absolutely. Just, yeah, yes. it just doesn't want to, they just don't want this to show up, so it's not. Uh, I, what also stuck out to me was this looks like more like doctors checking boxes, right? He's just mm-hmm. checking a box. He's like, well, this is what happened. Is BMI was too high, but myocarditis. And it's not the vaccine. Very interesting that you... That you would put a BMI on an autopsy, but not the actual weight. And BMIs are notoriously terrible. They're actually very, very, uh, uh, what's the word? Yeah, if you're, let's say, uh, athletic. If you're athletic. uh, Running back in the NFL, you would be categorized as having a obese bmi when in reality you've got like four percent body fat and i myself not super worried about it but i teeter on obese according to the bmi i'm not obese by any stretch of the imagination i was like a beanpole about six foot one skinny but the stupid thing doesn't it doesn't account for like build or muscle or bone it's just bmi so that's a stupid thing and then um i actually there's there's no way this kid was bmi 27 no no. I and mean, you I, see the picture of him, he's, you know, he's not like super skinny, but he's not fat. And he is darn sure not fat, considering the many, many, many kids in this country who are overweight. And especially having gained weight through COVID, kids gained weight too. Yeah. Um, I, this is a story we can get into later. Um, but I actually, and I think we will, maybe not, even not on this show, but just at a, at a different date. But I did speak to someone who works directly in a hospital, a hospital extremely close to the ground zero of COVID in the United States. If you remember <laughs> back to those uh, those yeah. days, uh, this person uh, has access to um, all of the medical records for said hospital. They have over 300 beds in said hospital. 
and he has never seen more than 15 people in the hospital at one time with COVID. So on and on and on we go. It's yeah. more compartmentalization and strangeness. But they, you know, the hospitals might be filling up, but they're they're not filling up with, uh, well, certainly not the original version of COVID. We can talk more about that later too, but that's interesting. So no more than 15 COVID beds throughout the course of the pandemic. Right. Yeah. Have you looked at myocarditis mortality rates? I mean, if you want to really get to start the show off. So it's uh, like 20%. uh, If you have myocarditis, there's a 20% chance you'll be dead within five years. Yep, it's they keep talking about it like it's no big deal, but the yeah. uh, the the myocarditis is is a big deal. It is a big deal. It's yeah, not. Yeah, it's heart it's, permanent heart damage. Permanent heart damage would be a much uh, more <laughs> accurate description than myocarditis. Like, and, and then and then grade like what level of permanent heart damage it is. Then oh, it's mild myocarditis, mild and rare, mild and rare. Got it. All right. Safe and effective, mild and rare. Safe and effective. Yeah. So this next one, I'm not going to read the whole thing. Um, It says, human being franchise owner in Reno dies of COVID-19. Jeff Roden, a 49-year-old from Southern Oregon, died October, August 4th, less than two weeks after falling ill with the virus. Um. None of us thought much of it because he was incredibly fit and healthy and seldom got sick, Ryan Roden, that's his brother, said. Um, his wife, Deanna, said she could remember him having a fever only one time in their 26 years together. So nothing happens. No treatment, no early treatment. Goes to the hospital. They stick him on a ventilator. And what do you know? The ventilator didn't help. It says Roden was transferred to a larger hospital, but his oxygen levels continued to plummet. His heart stopped and he died that night. Okay. So I, I did not know this guy, but I, I knew of him like his company. He has a company called infrastructure, which is kind of same industry as, as my company. And we had a couple mutual customers. Interesting. Uh, and I, I bring that up because I was, you know, I heard about this before the news story, but then uh, Kate Brown is going around using this poor guy as justification for her vaccine mandate. She said, healthy 49 year old guy, you know, with four kids dead of COVID. Uh, you know, we just got to get everyone vaccinated. So this is my point is. No early treatment, right? But that that is never brought up as a problem. It's just, it's not like, oh man, we need to el- educate our healthcare system to do early treatment. No, it's, oh, it's, it's your own fault if you die of COVID because if you're not vaccinated, that's the message. So did they actively try to kill him in the hospital? Probably not, but if you look at what they're told to do by the CDC, you are, and then you, if separately, if you 
research doctors that have been treating it and what they say to do. Um, and we'll we'll talk more about that later. But there's there's a you know several different courses of action and validity to to many of them, but 100% of them agree. Treat it early. Treat it early. Right. Right. This is not. The complications come once the it's the reaction that kills you, right? It's your body's reaction yeah. to the virus, not the virus. Yeah. And we can. Um, oh, it's quite a ways, quite a ways down there. We'll we'll cover a little bit um, a, a clip from a doctor who's working in South Africa, and he he emphasizes that he says COVID is like two different courses of illness. You've got kind of the viral illness part. And then day eight, if it's not like treated and taken care of and they're not already getting better, day eight is when you have the oxygen levels drop and then that's when you can get in serious trouble. And there's still treatment at that point. But, you know, if you don't let it include a ventilator, if you yeah, it does not include a ventilator. No one should be getting put on a ventilator and you are 100 percent better off getting early treatment outside of a hospital rather than getting in, you know, so getting taken to a hospital. But. You keep saying early treatment, and I can actually kind of wedge one of the quick things I wanted to talk about into the show right here. Sure. And I'm going to attempt to. Um, as you know, I keep an eye on some of the social media stuff that's going on, especially on Reddit. And I don't even have an account anymore. I deleted my account, like I said I wasn't to do with the corporate report, but I just – keep kind of my finger on the pulse of just what's going on, what in, you know, I'm be- beginning to think more and more, most of the people on Reddit and Twitter and some of these places aren't even real. You know, it's just government paid <laughs> bots. Yeah. And we had, we had a conversation not on the show about this on Saturday via text, but I talked about how I think they, the, the bots might be on, you know, maybe are human powered and are on not, not working on Saturdays. Cause it kind of goes nuts on Saturdays. Twitter. If you type in protest on Twitter, you get all of the, uh, protests that are happening around the world that you'll never hear about but during the week it's hard to even find those i digress um i I guess i'll quickly mention in in, in, on saturday i saw protests in paris london new york milan switzerland berlin israel montreal new zealand those were never covered in any news sources but you saw on twitter huge crowds of uh, people uh that were, were protesting and uh anyway i like to keep my eye on the technology just to see kind of what's going on around the world that we're not being told about one of the thing, two of the places that I found that were super cool over the last few months were one of them was called No New Normal. Have you heard about this? No, I have not. Okay, No New Normal was a Reddit was a subreddit, and it was basically just people who weren't necessarily saying it was a government, you know, or that it was a uh, a fake virus. They weren't necessarily saying that you know that CCP did it or that Fauci was terrible. But they were just kind of pushing back against no new normal. They don't, you know, everybody keeps saying, well, this is the new normal. And they didn't want that. They don't want masks. They don't want mandates. They don't want this. Reddit shut it down this last week completely. Mm. Like quarantined it like they did the Donald and then completely shut it down. Um, when they quarantined it, it was, everybody was kind of making jokes. Like if you think that the no new normal people care about being quarantined from the rest of us, don't, don't worry <laughs> about it. They don't care. Uh, but Reddit completely shut it down. So no new normal doesn't exist. Now, the other little corner of the world that I found that was absolutely an amazing little community was the subreddit, just Ivermectin. And in this thing, they would talk about, look, I got some pills. It helped me. I, cur- I cured my dad. 
I was able to keep from getting it. I got some pills here, you know, and it's international. People were posting from all over the world about what they're doing. Even people actually posting like, hey, I tried the horse pace just a little bit and I it, it was fine. I woke up the next day feeling better than I had ever in, you know, just just all these posts. Right. And it was such a cool little community. I think it was uh, Chris White who covered it on his podcast that there's no debunking of ivermectin. It's just constant name calling of mm-hmm. who would eat the horse paste. You can't eat. It's for horses. You know, these guys call themselves sheep and then they're eating medication for sheep. <laughs> this this subreddit got destroyed, overrun with bots or, or mm. people that were making fun of it. But this subreddit went from a serious place where people talked about their reactions and how they were able to cure it to just this is what you know just like pictures of like scimitars and stuff this is what happens when you eat too much ivermectin and it's it's sad to actually watch because it you know i mean i can go to it right now and i guarantee you it is nothing but complete just oh you you can't eat horse paste and this thing is being you know gamed out the it's kind of like it's kind of like idiocracy where the concept of drinking water is is met with the reaction like from a toilet. Oh, oh, news here, news update. Uh, this community <laughs> oh, has been just qu- gone. Yeah, this this community has been quarantined. For medical advice, please consult your physician or yeah. the resources available at the CDC. I, I, I. Yeah. So that sort of stuff continues continues to happen. Um, and we got you know people quitting their jobs to go become. You know, I bet that lady, I mean, I should donate to her work. I bet that lady does okay now because people donate and are like, you know what? This is good journalism. <laughs> I want to, I want yeah. her to stay in, to stay in business. And I think that's what we got to start doing. Yeah. It, yep. Absolutely. And because that is a much, much cleaner, well, cleaner is the wrong word, I guess. Just, it's just a much more honest relationship, right? Absolutely. Like you are this lady's going out, putting the work in of putting together a news report. You know, it's the value for value system. You're getting value from it. Send her something. You know, yep. it's a, it's a, it's very straightforward. And, you know, it absolutely. You know, there's now we'll, <laughs> we'll see. Maybe she wants to get advertising. Hopefully not. But uh, I don't think it'll be Pfizer advertising with no certainly <laughs> with not. stories like that. So good, good for her. Um, uh, the other local story I wanted to throw in there is, and I suspect I haven't gone around to every state. Um, health officials say 10 fully vaccinated Oregonians died of COVID-19 in July, revising their previous number of five. Okay, This is after they were using the proportion, because I think, there are like 50 people total that died of COVID-19 in Oregon. Uh, so this drastically changes the percentage that were vaccinated versus unvaccinated after they've revised policy and instituted mask mandates and instituted vaccine mandates based on like, well, clearly the vaccines work because it's only the unvaccinated people dying. And then they just go back and and revise after the fact. You know, they don't they don't revise the policies. They just revise the statistics without even really explaining how they got it so wrong. So, you know, it's, uh, and 10 fully vaccinated. We've 
talked a million times about what fully vaccinated means. I'd, I'd like to know how many of the other 50 were partially vaccinated. But again, that's that's not tracked. So, um, You got anything else to, to throw in there or should I keep going? No, keep it going. All right. So it, this is another great example of propaganda. So I'm going to read the headline, Tim, and you just straightforward oh. tell me what you expect it, what it means to you. All right. So the headline from CNBC is COVID, not vaccination, presents biggest blood clot risk, large study finds. So what am I supposed to do? I'm supposed to tell you what it means? Yeah. What does that mean? It means that the uh, COVID is scarier than the vaccine. It's got more risk. Yeah. And who do you think they studied, judging from that headline? Uh, probably people who are sick from COVID and then the not and then people that had been vaccinated. Okay. All right. Uh, the risk of rare blood clotting is significantly higher as a result of catching COVID-19 than it is from being vaccinated against the virus. A new study has found. In a peer-reviewed study published in the British Medical Journal on Friday, researchers from Oxford University, London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine, and several other British universities and hospitals analyzed data from more than 29 million people who had received their first dose of either the Oxford-AstraZeneca vaccine or the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine. What? <laughs> the study's authors were fully independent from the Oxford-AstraZeneca vaccine developers. Okay. That's not the point. The point is that they only looked at vaccinated people in the study. <laughs> so the conclusion that you're supposed to get is that vaccination is worth it, right? Because the, the COVID-19 is the bigger blood clot risk than the vaccine. But the, they were comparing uh, blood clots in people who had who were vaccinated and had COVID-19 to people who were vaccinated but did not have COVID-19. You know, it kind of reminds me of back when the in the early 2000s, they had this big controversy about how vaccines cause autism. And the CDC repeatedly said that they did not cause autism and that there were hundreds of studies that showed that it didn't. Mm -hmm. um, and then Dr. Andrew Wakefield, uh, trigger warning for the vaxxers in the audience, <laughs> Uh, said, hey, that's cool. Let's see those studies. And it turned out they had never actually studied the unvaccinated. Yeah. So they, they, only, they studied all the vaccinated kids, not the unvaccinated just, kid. So no control group, no comparison, no actual mm -hmm. science taking place. Yep. You're, you're comparing vaccinated to vaccinated in this whole study. They did not compare blood clot risk, although you would think they would have the actual blood clot risk if you're not vaccinated. You would think that information would be available. Andrew, it sounds like you don't trust the science. It sounds like it, doesn't it? Starting yeah. to not starting to not trust the science. Yeah. So that's, I've got the actual study that they're talking about, and it very clearly says everyone in the study was vaccinated with mm -hmm. either the Pfizer or the AstraZeneca. So. Good deal. That's awesome. And, and somehow, somehow that study gets used to say 
uh, vaccines are, are worth it. And yeah, okay. Um, all right, you ready for something a little darker? <laughs> okay. All right, so so last week I I feel bad. Mm-hmm. Harrison Smith was the guy's name I could not remember. Could not okay. remember his name. So Harrison Smith, he um it, it's an American Journal is the name of his show. So there we okay. go. And this clip came from him on Merrick's disease. Have you heard of Merrick's disease? I have not. All right. So I think I've got the timestamp in there. Like 222 is where the the report starts. So Merrick's disease is in chickens. Uh, but it it there's an interesting uh, possible correlation to what's going on with the COVID-19 vaccines. Gone through some changes in the way it's being presented. First, it was presented as you cannot get COVID if you have the vaccine. And then it was, well, you can still get it, but uh, you can't transmit it as easy. Okay, now it's sorry, you can actually transmit it. You can still get it. Uh, and you actually hold a greater viral load within you, even if you don't show symptoms when you have the vaccine. Of course, the spike proteins, I mean, the, the number of problems with the vaccine are, are numerous. But there's reason to think that this is not by accident. And in fact, it's this exact sort of leaky aspect of the vaccine that makes it way more dangerous than we even supposed. Here's an article from Roll Call. CDC report shows vaccinated people can still spread COVID-19. And this, of course, was the reasoning behind the reissuing of the mask mandate. They say, quote, high viral loads suggest an increased risk of transmission and raised concerns that, unlike with other variants, vaccinated people infected with Delta can transmit the virus. CDC Director Rochelle Walensky said in a statement. So from the CDC, they say that you can, in fact, still spread the Delta variant or the COVID itself uh, without experiencing symptoms and while you are still vaccinated. Now, one thing we've been hearing a little bit about, and I talked a little bit about earlier this week, is AD. Just a second there. I just wanted to say uh, this was kind of a, this is not the main point of his report, but remember when we always used to talk about like what is the deal with uh, the asymptomatic spread thing, right? Yes, there was yes, there yes. was no evidence of it, right? It was important. It was an important part of the narrative to to put that idea out there that asymptomatic people can spread this thing, not just to get everyone to wear masks and social distance and all the other stuff, but they knew, my belief, they knew that this leaky vaccine was coming that would allow for asymptomatic spread. Interesting. So it was. In reality, it was made up and bogus in the past, but they they had to, you know, claim it existed so that it wouldn't get blamed on the vaccine that's creating the the potential for asymptomatic spread. And one take, I'm not 100% on it, but I think that's that's possible. Virus actually mutates in order to exploit the virus. Uh, or, I'm sorry, actually. The, the virus mutates to exploit the vaccine, and it actually makes it more dangerous. 
by mutating to get around the vaccine, it actually utilizes the vaccine uh, to become more deadly. This is what happened when they tried to develop a vaccine against SARS when it first came out. Uh, and Dr. Anthony Fauci talked about that. Well, let me read an anonymous post on a message board that uh, frankly should scare the crap out of you. And I've, I've looked into some of this and it, it looks to be exactly true. And I'll, I'll provide a little bit of uh, background information to confirm that. So this post says this, if this vaccine works as they say, reduces symptoms, but does not prevent transmission, then you're looking at an exact same scenario as Merrick's disease in chickens. This vaccine for poultry reduces symptoms, but does not prevent infection or transmission and has promoted the evolution of a hyper deadly strain. Now, all chickens must be vaccinated against this strain or they will die if infected and infected they will be. Morality, uh, mortality of chickens infected with Merrick's disease was quite low. Decades after the first vaccine was introduced, current strains of Merrick virus cause lymphoma formation on uh, and throughout the chicken's body and mortality rates have reached 100% in unvaccinated chickens. The Merrick's disease vaccine is a leaky vaccine, which means that only the symptoms of the disease are prevented. The usual pressure for reduced virulence will be gone and a very deadly version will inevitably evolve in time. This will provide a perfect mechanism for eliminating undesirables. Just arrange shortages in vaccines wherever you want and the problem solves itself. The COVID vaccine fits the bill for this perfectly. Once the hyper deadly strain of COVID evolves by controlling access to the vaccine, death rates can be turned up or down as necessary. The usual pressure for reduced virulence will be gone and a very deadly version will inevitably evolve in time. This will provide a perfect mechanism for eliminating undesirables. Just arrange shortages in vaccines wherever you want and the problem solves itself. So in other words, it, it doesn't even matter if you get the vaccine or not. The fact that enough people have been vaccinated means that this extremely deadly variant will inevitably develop and then if you don't get the vaccine, you really will die from it 100% of the time. That's at least what happens in chickens with the Merrick vaccine. And in fact, I can back this up with an article from National Geographic. Leaky vaccines enhance spread of deadlier chicken viruses. They talked about Merrick's disease and over the past, past 50 years, Merrick's disease, a foul disease, uh, has caused a highly contagious virus related to those that cause herpes in humans. It spreads through the dust of contaminated chicken coops and cause, causes both paralysis and cancer. In the 1970s, new vaccines brought the disease under control, but Merrick didn't go gently into that good night. Within 10 years, it started evolving into a more virulent strain, which now trigger more severe cancers and affect chickens at earlier ages. See, Merrick's vaccine was imperfect or leaky. That is, it protects chickens from developing disease, but it doesn't stop them from becoming infected or spreading the virus, which again, literally sounds exactly like the CDC describes COVID right, vaccine. So I think that's what the plan is. And this is, we've, we've talked about, you know, it can't be as easy as just don't get vaccinated and you'll be fine. So I think the goal is we get enough people vaccinated, it lowers their immune system, it interacts 
you know, we, we give them these leaky vaccines that are just the spike protein. So not only do they get vaccinated with the most dangerous part of COVID, we'll get to that later, spike protein, uh, you are, you're creating a petri dish environment to create more deadly rather than less deadly variants, which if it's, if the virus was just allowed to run its course, we would already be done with it. The original, oh yeah, for sure. The original virus, you know, whatever you think about it, some people say it doesn't even exist. It seems to exist in some form, whether it causes the actual symptoms that are attributed to it's a different story. But the that wild type COVID nineteen virus, everyone agrees, is virtually gone. Like we would be done with this thing if that was all we had to worry about. But the interaction, uh, whether, you know, unintentional or intentional, and I think it's intentional, with the vaccine is what's continuing to drive this thing and give them, um, you know, give them enough of an excuse to continue with the, the medical martial law, which is the real agenda. So connected to the Merrick's disease thing. And remember also, it was, you know, we're talking a decade in chickens, much shorter lifespan uh, that humans, you would think it would take at least that long, hopefully, uh, in people. So, but basically it will be a contest of either uh, do enough people wake up and stop taking vaccines um, to actually stop this thing, or do they keep it going long enough uh, to get what they want? A, a truly deadly pathogen that you need a vaccine against or it really will kill you. So that's... I have a question for you, and this is mainly sure. just for you and me. It doesn't The show, I'll put a link to this archive bit in the show <laughs> notes. I may have referenced it previously. Mm-hmm. How often have you thought of the Daigle forecast in the last month? <laughs> Yeah, with the 100 million people, population going down under 100 million. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, there was... A few times. I, I have thought of it, yeah. The strange part about that was the the countries that had the reduced population it seemed to basically be predicting a war. No, like between... no, no, no. I visited it recently. Com- countries that didn't have the... countries that had the predicted population are the ones that are extremely vaccinated. The ones that had the no population drop, for instance, China, Russia, and India have almost no vaccinations. Oh, really? Okay. Yes. As well as Japan. Japan has almost no drop in, uh, in uh, prediction for the, and what I'm talking about is there was a sketchy website that was supposedly a military contractor website, which I actually stumbled onto way back in like 2015 it's called mm-hmm. Daigle, and they were doing predictions of GDP and all kinds of things for uh, different countries around the world. And one of the things that they predicted was the population of said countries. Somewhere around the 2015-2016 time frame, I think Obama was still in office, they updated the forecast and most of your Western countries had a drastic drop in population, including the USA by more than half. Um, and this is by 2025 was the prediction. So it just it was unsettling at the time. And I just thought this can't be real. But it, there's a lot of weird stuff going on. 
But the more I watch this whole thing play out, I'm like, well, maybe mm-hmm. their dates, maybe their dates were wrong. Maybe it, maybe it is true. I, I don't know. It's, it's anybody's guess at this point. I've, I've, I've told you, I feel like we are basically trying to get everyone vaccinated to destroy the control group at this point, just so mm-hmm. that, because it feels like we're almost, you know, uh, racing the, well, you, the, yeah, uh, you're, the you're basically of- signed. You, if you take three of those things, you're signed on. Like it's, it's pretty much like, you're on the based. subscription plan and you don't really have a choice. You either keep doing the mRNA therapy and, and hope that they get it right eventually, which they never have, or, you know, you're, you're in big trouble. Um, I'll, I'll take my chance with, with zero injections there, but let's, um, I don't, I don't want to stay on the downer that they're creating the super virus and going to wipe us out like the chickens. And by the way, uh, you know, I kind of thought always that if it's a organic chicken, that it wouldn't be pumped full of vaccines and pumped full of tumors and barely staying alive. But apparently not. No, apparently all the all the chickens organic or not, um, they might feed them something different, but they still get all their all their shots. Which explains the magnetic meat thing we we talked talked about a few a few months back. So are we all depressed yet? Is everybody yeah. scared to death? This podcast wasn't supposed to be about scaring people. We originally started it so we could be like, let's not get all scared. Well, Remember, I, and we we we, we yeah. went through different iterations of that. Remember Ebola? Remember swine flu? Remember yeah. You know, the war on terror. Remember all that stuff? We're like, don't be scared. And now we're were... still saying don't be scared, but we're saying uh, don't be scared. You probably will die, but don't be scared of death. That's that's our new positive message. Now, it's um, true, though. We will. (laughs) We will all die. So be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Yeah. As uh, Frank Lordy once. There uh, is actually, believe it or not, you will not think that this will be a source of hope. Um, But Judy Mikevitz was on alex jones and if you want to play the the highlights that just the first five minutes from that uh we're a couple on on down there um it's it's disjointed because it's edited together different parts of the interview so if people are interested they should go watch the whole thing and and i do want to read her books because i think it'll be easier to follow everything that she's saying in a book but i will say you know we li- we listened to Judy Mikevitz clips back at the beginning of this thing, and it's like, oh man, she really hates Fauci. Like, it can't be that bad, right? And uh, yeah, I I think she was right. So, but the the positive thing to listen for is that she does not feel like it's over. We're all gonna die of the human version of Merrick's disease once they figure out the super virus. So, here we go. These viruses cause cancer. They're associated with cancer. The XMRVs that we discovered um, have a protein called syncytin. And syncytin is the envelope or part of the spike protein that has been engineered into SARS-CoV-2, into this vaccine. Again, SARS-CoV-2 never caused COVID. These vaccines are are not vaccines. They're chemotherapy, they're gene therapy, uh, and, and in fact, um, the intention of 
Fauci and the top levels of the NIH, which is fully revealed in our book, Ending Plague, a scholar's obligation in an age of corruption. The intention is to murder the tens of millions of people worldwide who are infected with HIV, XMRVs from their contaminated vaccines, Borrelia, Babesia, you know, the chronic Lyme disease, the explosion of autoimmune disease, Parkinson's disease, ALS. This can all be attributed to the contaminants and not just the viruses, um, but glyphosate, as we know from our friend, Dr. Stephanie Seneff. But the, the great news is there are solutions and ivermectin is potently anti-cancer. This is the three deadliest pandemics of our time, HIV, XMRV, and SARS, all rolled into one shot. All you need is the spike protein, and it's that synthetic spike protein that is this deadly epidemics that affect 13 million Americans that Fauci and, and WHO, every level of our government, has covered up since since AIDS in the 80s and the true causes and the true solutions. So is this These not things- the greatest crime ever committed against humanity? Billions injected, which they admit has the HIV spike protein, everything, injected with this Franken creature. Correct. But the answer is simple. Not another shot ever, and we can cure it with everything you're talking about today, and I am as well. These folks are stupid. Um, they they play the same playbook over and over and over again. Amen. For all, just going to sit there and take it and watch our families die as if there are no scientists with integrity. That's what ending plague is about. What is a scholar's obligation in an age of corruption? Not only to produce the knowledge to end human suffering, which which a PhD must do, understand why something's not working. There's a reason. Understand how to use a drug or a supplement or nutritional um, more um, favorably in susceptible populations. This is what my entire life is natural products, curing and preventing cancer. Uh, Well, it's viral and microbial, and we've injected these viruses because all liability was removed. We've injected them in every single vaccines, MMR. We're injecting RNA viruses. We're injecting, I can uh, send you or provide for your listeners this slideshows um, that show you, that show you these, these viruses, deadly HIV relatives, simian immune deficiency virus, SV40. This is what Bobby Kennedy's um, brilliant forward in our book, A Plague of Corruption, discussed the 40 years, the knowledge that we've injected This is infection and disease by injection. The cancer has exploded as the schedule of the CDC has increased because no liability is there at all. Stop looking at uh, Fauci, the government, um, or anyone else to take control of your life. It's time you took control back of your body, of your health, this is where we are. We're telling you there are simple solutions. Now we've all, we, we all realize, um, and uh, I don't, it's, it's difficult to, you know, I don't, I don't care about him at all. 
He does everything by plausible deniability. Oh, I never had anything to do with Judy Meyer. Of course you didn't. You worked in Bethesda, NAIAD. You funded our studies. You took down my, my institute, that neuroimmune disease institute, the first ever, because it started showing the connections between viruses that can cause cancer and can cause neuroimmune diseases, devastating diseases like Parkinson's, ALS, um, Lyme disease, uh, ME, myalgic encephalomyelitis, multiple sclerosis. Oh, directly caused by the same cytokine storms, the same pathways, where, where Tony Fauci put those diseases into the National Institute of Neurodevelopmental Diseases and Stroke. They're not neurodevelopmental diseases and stroke. They're the dysregulation of your God-given immune system, and you allowed it to happen. Uh, Tony Fauci is not my God. <laughs> I wish she would have really just, you know. I, I wish Not, she wouldn't hold back there. Yeah, I wish yeah. she wouldn't beat around the bush at all. But, I mean, a, a lot of what she's saying there is the stuff I've been feeling in my gut. Yeah. They, this is we're this is baloney. We're being injected with poisons. We are being fed poisons. Yep. There's poisons in our environment. And they can't seem to stop the human, you know, the regular human being with an immune immune system that works and is healthy. They the the, the powers of of darkness, the the principalities and the rulers of darkness in this world are still still trying to hack human beings that mm -hmm. God created to get them to yeah. die. Still, I mean, they've been out yeah. this for so long. And it's super, super simple stuff, right? There's ivermectin, there's hydroxychloroquine, there's antiparasitics that work. Dude, vitamin C, still vitamin C. People, mm -hmm. oh, you're just wet. Dude, vitamin C, it's still still a thing. Yep. Large doses of vitamin C. So this, this kind of relates to the solutions front also. And... I, I do think it's important not to oversimplify it into like, oh, it's just ivermectin's all you need. And then it's, you know, because they can always make something that ivermectin won't work with or start manufacturing fake ivermectin, which there's, you know, apparently sugar placebo pills in the place of ivermectin in, in some places. Um, so you, you got to, you know. You got to keep paying attention, but whatever system they come up with, whatever disease, whatever bioweapon they come up with, there seems to be like a a cheap and effective antidote, but the overall antidote is staying healthy. And we, you know, we talk about yep. that all the time. So this article, I thought this was really interesting. Um, it It's translated, I you know, Google translated it from French to English. So if it's if the wording's awkward, that's why. Uh, but this guy I follow on Twitter, Walter Chestnut, um, him and uh, Luke Montagnier and a few other people um, put this out. So it, I'm not saying this is 100% correct, but it, I do think it's interesting what they're what they're saying. So. Uh, do you know the word senescence? Senescence, and that's you heard Judy Mikovits mention that. But senescence is in biology the physiological process which leads to the degradation of cell functions over time. In other words, senescence from the Latin senex, great age, is the aging of organisms. 
Historically, scientists have sought to curb aging, trying to respect the Chinese proverb taken by Malrux. We must add life to years and not years to life. Several recent studies tend to show that SARS-CoV-2 accelerates the biological age of cells. Uh, how? By acting on the size of telomeres, these DNA sequences which protects the ends of chromosomes and which shorten with each cell division. In April 2021, a Chinese study by Yu Wang Li and Zhao Zhang, published on Circulation Research, points out that the main pathogen of the COVID-19 virus is, its, is the spike protein. The spike protein surrounds the viral capsid and allows it to enter cells to infect them. In this study, the researchers isolated spike by placing it in an empty nucleus, then inoculated it into guinea pigs in order to observe its action on the organism. The animal showed damage to the lungs and arteries associated with inflammation of the endothelial cells. The team reproduced the in vitro experiment on healthy human endothelial cells. The spike protein thus bound to ACE2 receptors, damaging the mitochondria of the cells, causing microthrombosis and endothelitis. The conclusions are clear. Spike protein alone causes most of the symptoms of COVID-19. Okay. And what do the vaccines cause you to create? Spike protein. What could go wrong? So I'll skip way down here. Oh, I had some of this highlighted. My highlighter thing didn't work. Um, all right. Infection with SARS-CoV-2 results in COVID syndrome, which is characterized in the worst case by severe respiratory distress, pulmonary and cardiac fibrosis, release of inflammatory cytokines, and immunosuppression. This condition has resulted in the death of approximately 2.15% of the world's infected population so far. Among the survivors, the presence of so-called persistent post-COVID syndrome is quite common. In COVID survivors, PPCS is associated with one of the more, or more symptoms. Fatigue, uh, dyspnea, I think that's trouble sleeping, memory loss, sleep disturbances, and difficulty concentrating. The study measures the biological age on 117 COVID survivors and 144 uninfected volunteers. The authors find a significant increase in the biological age, which is, you know, not, it's done by measuring the telomeres. Age of patients having had COVID of 10.5 years, plus or minus 7.29 years or 5.25 years beyond the norm compared to 3.68 years, plus or minus 8.17 years in uninfected people without COVID. In other words, it appears that it ages you in some way or ages your cells. So the it, it's kind of interesting to me too because um, all those long-haul COVID symptoms are all the Lyme disease things and Judy Mikovits was talking about, you know, she thinks that the uh, Lyme disease, not just from ticks, maybe being spread through a needle as well. So I thought that was interesting and and quite possible too. Um, so anyway, skipping down to the what should you do about it part. Um, oxidative stress is a big problem, so antioxidants are good. And um, astaxanthin, as you brought to my attention, uh, is, a, is a powerful antioxidant, and there's Lots of other ones, too. So antioxidants add to the list of, of things that will help you out. And they're not, you know, we're not talking crazy expensive things either. So No, no, no. It, it appears, again, 
um, that like kind of like you said, there's simple there's simple uh, resolutions to a lot of these problems that are happening. Yeah. And it, it kind of reminds me of uh, I read this book. It's called How to Survive Alone in the Woods. And I read it a long time ago, and it's like in my bug out bag, right? It's like just just in case something goes wrong. But one of the the opening chapters talks about how almost every time you find yourself injured or uh, afflicted in some sort of negative way by an element of the forest, usually within almost eyesight, if not uh, even closer, is the solution to your situation. Hmm. And it talked about like encountering poison oak. And then that poison oak is usually in a place where there's a lot of ferns and that rubbing ferns on it can actually neutralize it. And then he talked about encountering, you know, sunburn in the desert and that's where aloe vera grows. And just just very kind of interesting how a lot of the times the problem is super simple and super close. It's just you don't know about it because you're not educated. You know, this is this is this is where technology and education, quote unquote, have betrayed us in that we don't know what's going on in the woods for instance but even with yeah. our own bodies because we've you know we've 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 decided to trust the the men and women in white coats you know the yeah. the the wizards the priest class well they, they said this and then you got to inject this and then you got to try this and it's nothing more than uh, kind of checking checking boxes literally i, mean, I, I don't know literally if i could boxes. i don't know if i could successfully you know hunt a cow at this point you know <laughs> <laughs> you don't think so I don't know. I, I, you know, theoretically, I'm all for eating meat and what have you, but I, killing something, it wouldn't be easy. <laughs> Certainly not, but it would definitely bring you back in touch with like, yeah, what, what it takes for you to live. Yeah. So the, all right. So the the same guy talks about so senescence that article, and then epitope spreading. Um, let me skip down here. Uh, we'll we'll skip that. But uh, basically, his hypothesis is that it's just a cold virus. SARS, you know, it's nothing. It shouldn't be that big of a deal. But the with the spike protein and with the other stuff going on, it gets your body. It tricks your body and causes it to overreact, and we've we've talked about that. Lots of people have talked about that. Um, but the the problem with the vaccine is that it's skipping that layer of defense that should be properly interpreting what's going on and jumping right into like cause causing your body to to freak out mode. So anyway, you you're a hundred percent better off. Uh, coming in contact with the the wild virus um, and trusting your healthy immune system rather than than a, a vaccine. And also treating it early with simple stuff, even if you're not taking ivermectin, taking lots of vitamin C and zinc and quercetin yep. and a bunch of stuff that is actually pretty simple and straightforward. Yep. And on the, the other side of that, um, <laughs> from... Pardon Assange, a la Rue French 75 on Twitter. She talks about <laughs> um, an old Star Trek episode. It says, um, 
McCoy reveals Darwin to be a Klingon. He poisoned the grain with a virus that prevents its victim from absorbing nutrients, which is how the Tribbles died. They starved to death. In a storage compartment full of grain, they starved to death, Kirk summarizes. A little predictive programming there, and she compares it to glyphosate and the interaction, the negative interaction. You know, we've talked plenty about glyphosate, but um, glyphosate in combination you know, basically wrecking your gut and then you're unable to handle whether it's viruses or injections or what have you, you're unable to to deal with it because your your body thinks glyphosate is something else. It tricks it into, th- you know, just it's a harmless amino acid when it's poison. Um, and this, you can actually pass on uh, the glyphosate, it's not a protein, but the glyph, the the fake amino acid can be passed on from generation to generation. And this is why, you know, part of the reason why kids have food allergies all over the place now when it used to be super rare. It's why kids have cancer all over the place now and it used to be super rare. So it's an active poisoning thing. It's all part of the same eugenics program. We're just in this, you know, accelerated, bigger and badder version of it now. I got to stop you. We're in the middle of the show and I'm just, you know, looking at you had me here. It's not 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 it's not my fault. Okay, you know, I have crippling ADD and you put me on this Twitter page to look at this lady and her tweet and off to the side. What's what is actually uh, 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 trending right now? Ivermectin is not authorized for treatment of COVID-19, according to the FDA. So I click (laughs) on it. And there's all these people talking about how it's not authorized. And it says it's trending with Joe Rogan. And so I haven't heard this clip, but I have a feeling we're going to have a really cool clip here that just came out. Uh, well, this is posted 54 minutes ago, I bet. Yeah, and Joe no, probably... Notice the deceptive wording saying that it's not authorized for treatment of COVID-19. It's FDA, Ivermectin has been FDA approved since it came out however many years ago. It doesn't say it's dangerous. Billions of doses. All right, here we go. Here we go. Hello, friends. So I got back from the road Saturday night feeling very weary. I had a headache and I just felt just run down. And just to be cautious, I separated from my family, slept in a different part of the house. And throughout the night, I got fevers and sweats and I knew what was going on. So I got up in the morning, got tested, and it turns out I got COVID. So we immediately threw the kitchen sink at it, all kinds of meds, monoclonal antibodies, uh, ivermectin, Z-Pak, uh, prednisone, everything. Uh, and I also got an NAD drip and a vitamin drip, and I did that three days in a row. And so here we are on Wednesday, and I feel great. I really only had one bad day. Sunday sucked, but Monday was better. Tuesday felt better than Monday. And today I feel good. I actually feel pretty good. Uh, That's the good news. The bad news is we have to move Friday, the Friday show in Nashville. (laughs) There you go. Oh, my treatment. It's, it's, (laughs) you know, at, at some, at some level, it's not. It's not what you do. It's just like, just do something. Okay. <laughs> it doesn't 
unbelievable. We're sitting yeah. here talking. You're, you're in the middle of a, of a rant about how it's there's relatively simple things you can do, and this <laughs> this guy gets on Twitter. I don't know, man. I think Adam Curry is a great influence on this man because he is going in the right direction. Spotify, ball is in your court. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just... T- t- like, tell him it didn't happen. Tell him, <laughs> you know, it's like. Just, that is know. awesome. You can't contain the truth. We have to keep doing this podcast. We have to keep standing up. We have to keep telling people no. You can't contain the truth. Let the tyrants be tyrants. I don't care if we're outnumbered. I don't even think we are. I'm sick of it. Just sick of it, people. Don't give – I got people texting me. I got to get it for work. Quit your job. Yes. Uh, Quit. You don't want to work for somebody who wants to inject (laughs) you with something. Quit your job. What what, what should I do? Quit your job. It's it. Actually, I revise that. Make them fire you, but yes. I, you, I mean, don't, don't take know. the vaccine. Yeah, make them fire. Find another job. Fine. Find another job. What am I going to do? I don't know. But don't take it because you don't yep. want to. Because we are human beings and we have a, a right to autonomy. And we, if we start in taking these updates, I mean, look at your phone. How many times does it update? This is iOS 14.6.2 because there's always some new bug. Because even when it comes to man-made baloney, there's always weaknesses in it. You're going to get stuck on a subscription plan for life. Yes. No. You're getting the on answer an, is you're no. getting on a CRISPR generated mRNA therapy subscription plan for life, which the won't be very is, long. The answer is no. I was born in 1980. I had a ton of vaccines. I even had a bunch of allergy shots. I don't even know what I was getting in my t- in my in my uh, early years. I've always had crippling ADD. They tried to to regulate me with Ritalin and Adderall, and I took none of it because I refused. Even as a kid, I said no, not taking your pill. And then I j- j- wasn't awake, so I joined the military, and they shot me up with a whole bunch of crap, and I got sicker than I've ever been in my life. And someone in my division died. Mm-hmm. Okay. And now I continue to go through life. I abuse drugs like crazy. I hate authority. And I'm drinking like crazy because I don't understand what's going on in my own head. And then I realize, hey, God is the answer. Alcohol is really bad for me. Put those two things on track. And I have a beautiful family and a great life. And I'm so happy. Thank the good Lord where I am. Because I could have died easily for all the dumb stuff I did. Lord knows I try. But here we are. It's the end. Not the end. It's it's 2021. And I don't trust the drug companies, okay? Yes. That's what it is. Are you one of those people? Are you one of those people that doesn't trust the drug companies? Yes, I am. Are you yeah. one of those people who doesn't want to uh, to trust the, the experts? I am that person. Are you a person who doesn't want who doesn't trust your doctor? Yes, I'm that person. I don't trust it. It's baloney. Half this stuff is baloney. Look at the mortality rate in this country. We live till we're 70 years old, but how fat are we? How much cancer is there? How much stuff is happening? How much crap is in our food? I don't trust them. And it baffles me that so many people do. It blows my mind. How? How do you wake up every day and think, well, you know, the government has our best intentions in mind. I don't get it. And I feel bad. I really do. I'm trying. I'm trying to understand where you're coming from, but I don't get it. I just explained where I came to, how I came exactly to where I am. I'd love to hear other people explain to me how they got to the, where they are. But at some point, your logic is flawed. If you have to trust a company who has been sued and has no liability to continue your health, 
felon. It's not good. It's not good. We, we got this. One of these com companies got sued last year, not like 30, 40, 50 years ago, last year for putting asbestos in baby powder. Okay. Yeah. It's a fact. Look it up. I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I may sound crazy right now, but I am not a conspiracy the, theorist. That is real. Okay. The, and you're going to trust only reason, this person. The only reason Moderna is not a felon like Pfizer and Johnson and Johnson is because they haven't got anything successfully to market yet. First drug to market and everybody gets it. Awesome. Yeah. I wish I had that plan. First time I try something and I get it to market and everybody has to get it. It's almost like Bill Gates to get this whole yeah. idea. Let's just make every computer have Windows. And I got a solution for that, too. We don't have enough time to get to it today. But I am just guys. <laughs> yeah. And I know I'm preaching to the choir. So t talk to your friends. They're brainwashed. It's 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 it's. Yeah, this is this is not. And this is frustrations that I was referring to at the beginning of the show. This is not stay quiet, talk to our lawyers. No, 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 no. no, no. This is take a stand time. I pray every morning when I wake up, hold it off a little longer, Lord, because I know I've read the book of Revelation. Crazy stuff is going to happen, but not today. I pray every morning and maybe he'll answer my prayer. Maybe he won't, but I won't go down with the ship and say it's fine. It's fine that I can't go to a store unless I have some sort of vaccine. It's fine. It's fine I don't, that I, I have to wear some face covering. In, in the book, in the, in, back in the beginning of the Bible, if you touch the dead body, this, I'm going to mess this up. I probably shouldn't even say anything. But if you touch it, like, you become unclean, right? You have to cover yes. the lower part of your face. You have to come into town screaming unclean, unclean with the lower part of your face covered. This is a giant psychological operation. This is a freaking mass ritual. And the crazy part is half the country isn't even playing. Just us out on the coasts. We're all playing, still putting on yeah. the mass ritual mask for our kids, five and up. Five and up, breathing in carbon dioxide all day, eight hours a day. Because you oh. know what? It ain't about the virus. It's about control. The sooner this country wakes up to the fact that they're going to be controlled forever, yeah. the sooner the, be and, the, the better off we're all going to be. And not just uh, – don't think that the mask can't be a delivery system too. Um this, this headline, I won't read the article, but uh, it's crazy. Quebec schools were using nanoform graphene masks. They distributed 4.6 million of this type of mask that was uh, coated in, let's see here. Um, oh, let's see. Nanoform graphene. And he says... Uh, any this, so this guy says any masks containing nanoform graphene are potentially dangerous. It's a much bigger story than Quebec. He said, I'm very concerned. These actions being taken in Quebec to remove the mask from the schools need to be taken around the world. So what are the what are the odds? He's, so he goes on. What um, what we know about graphene flakes, which is what this probably is, he said, is that generally speaking, it's not a good idea to inhale nanoparticles. Like, tell me this is not an agenda. Are, are you a, John, but Andrew, are you a doctor? I mean, do you really know it's not good to inhale nano particles? And this is, you so, know. Somebody said to what, me the other day, people a lot smarter than you and me are saying we should take the vaccine. And my response was, I don't think that's true. I don't no, think they're smarter I, no. than me. I don't care. <laughs> that sounds incredibly well, arrogant. I don't, I don't care if they're smarter, humble, smarter than me or, or not. They, 
<laughs> they can be wrong about this, right? You know, it's like a, I could pretty much guarantee they haven't spent more time looking at stuff than I have <laughs> at this point. I can guarantee that too. I haven't yeah. spent more time than that either. Yeah. Are we? So, are we what one point? So graphene, you know, nanoparticles in the masks, just you know, for your health, uh, for just for the school kids. Great idea. Um, but remember, we couldn't fight the mask mandates. We had to say it's just a mask, just a mask. Just put on the mask. This will all be over soon. Let's keep everyone safe. Yeah. Uh, 1.6 million Moderna doses withdrawn in Japan over contamination. This which is the, blow, mind which blowing. The company initially says, well, there's no contamination. Those are fine. It's what's supposed to be in there. And the and Japan says because they actually looked at the stuff themselves and they said uh, there's particles in here that respond to magnets. I don't know. <laughs> you, you don't suppose that could be what's making people have magnets stick to their arm and stuff? And so it, they're spinning the story. Then there's like a kind of a fake story out today in the mainstream media that there's. They think it's like rubber particles, like from when the needle shoved into the vial, there's little particles that get in there if it's shoved in there wrong. Oh, please. Okay, this is, the cover-up is in progress. They they might even throw the manufacturer under the bus. It's a manufacturer that doesn't ship stuff to the U.S. It only ships it to other parts of the world. Um, but we know that whatever's causing the magnetism is in the at least some of the u.s vaccines so it's i don't know the conspiracy theorists right again uh threw in another one milestone contract for graphene technology in water treatment plant oh great uk technology business g20 water technologies has landed its first commercial contract for the enhancement of water filtration membranes with graphene oxide great let's get it in the water supply too and then um from physics.org uh graphene smart membranes can control water great so it, this is it's all one agenda and they're coming for your water they're coming for your food they're coming for your quote medicines and you got to pay attention so but if you do pay attention we can live make your family tougher to coal there you go. <laughs> there you go. We have to thank some producers, but before we do that, a palate cleanser, if you will. Uh, yes, uh, that. A palate cleanser, if you if you'll if you'll uh, indulge me. Please do. This is from an article from Mount Vernon, Ohio, from 2001. Okay. Kilkenny, the first personality behind the mic at WMVO. Broadcasting from atop a radio hill on Kochkin Avenue, WMVO has been a prominent fixture in Mount Vernon for 50 years. One of the most celebrated voices on the air has been lifelong Knox County resident Charlie Kilkenny. Kilkenny began his career in broadcasting prior to hitting the airways at WMVO as an operator for the Mount Vernon Police Department. When he first saw the newspaper there was going to be a radio station, he called over. His broadcast, Man on the Streets, was broadcast live from Public Square in Pittman's Corner. He interviewed citizens and local business owners. It was quite a show, he said. I don't have any, Kilkenny said, about his training in broadcasting. <laughs> I just did it all off the top of my head. It all came pretty natural. <laughs> prior, to, 
Prior to landing his job at WMVO, he had tried to get into radio station other places, but in those days, people had to have a lot of experience. In addition to his broadcast on the streets, Kilkenny did farm news, local news, and an afternoon show, as well as interviews and remote broadcasts. Today, people go out and cover the news. They take a pad, he said. I covered all those places and wrote up notes. Only by the time I got back to the studio, I would never have time to write it up. So I'd sit there and do the show strictly from my notes. Kilkenny said it was easier because that way he knew every nook and cranny of Mount Vernon and Knox County. Did it all off the cuff. In 1982, longtime radio personality Charlie Kilkenny drove his pickup to the public square where he told his listeners to meet him with food donations for the community food pantry. To this day, the measurement tool for how much food is raised for the food for the hungry is based on the size of Charlie Kilkenny's truck. That was my grandfather. So... Thank you for listening to this podcast. Apparently going off the cuff, caring about homeless people. No training. Oh. No training at all. No formal education. All runs in the family. So oh, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> without further ado. I, no, I, I, your, your grandfather was a podcaster before there were podcasters. <laughs> that's right. He literally couldn't get a job as a radio personality, so he waited till one opened up and became the first person on the air there. And never wrote up a piece of paper, always did it all from his notes and talking to people. And he cared for the homeless as well. So thank you guys for listening. Thank you for supporting this podcast and this rambler who cannot seem to get together any kind of write-up as well as I should and continues to do it all off of notes. Hopefully you guys can continue to support us and we can do it. As you heard at the beginning of the show, brand new intro that was sent to us by one of our listeners. And we want to thank him for that production. We also have another one coming next week from uh, one of the producers who gave us our last intro. He's going to he touched it up a bit and that should be coming out. Um, Thank you to everybody who sent us stories, sent us emails, sent us uh, any money. And without further ado, if you want to go ahead and read off those, I was going to look up one quick email. So could you thank the producers of the show, sir? Yeah, let me try and. Oh, I've got the I've got your wrong screen showing Uh aha what does this mean what does this mean this is better okay oh yeah oh i see yeah okay okay so for revelations radio news 242 which is this one we've got our uh loyal and faithful supporter danny thank you danny (laughs) uh we've got is that Penny? Yes. Okay. So Penny from uh, Mesa, Pen- Arizona. Penny from Mesa, Arizona. Thank you very much, Penny. And actually, I wanted to read a quick thing from, if you'll indulge me, I wanted to read a quick email from Penny. And that is from Miss Penny over here. Uh, I've been meaning to donate for a while, so please forgive my procrastination. I'm happy to hear you guys at it again. It it sure takes a lot of effort, and I want you to know I appreciate it, and I'm sure all your listeners do. I first heard you guys back in the old days, Andrew on Dr. Future and View from the Bunker. By the way, I already have your book from back then. Tim, I know you had your own podcast also, and together I really enjoy your quirky sense of humor. The stories you bring are often ones that we may not hear about elsewhere, and discussion is always interesting. Thank you so much, Penny from the Desert. So, oh, thank you, Penny. Mesa, Arizona is a nice place. I've spent some time out there. So. 
nice very cool so I, I just thought that was a good one to uh to read and then um on to the next one was from mr john in uh berkshire swallowfield berkshire united kingdom yeah that's two weeks or two shows in a row with united kingdom patronage thank you very much john and also luke we don't have a location listed but thank you luke it's, for this is luke from iowa who had a uh, place they wanted you to move into next door oh yeah that's right well, and this nice. is also luke is sending a a, a a subscription check to our uh, po box so that is greatly appreciated and we wanted to go ahead and ask other people to do the same thing so uh, you know if you can do a subscription that might be a great way to support us you don't have to be you know, a high roller and support every single show with, you know, 50 to a hundred dollars like Danny does, but you could just do a quick sub subscription and uh, actually just send us, you know, three, four, five bucks, whatever you think the show's worth monthly. And that can either come to the PO box or you can do it through PayPal. But those little subscriptions I think will actually add up. And, you know, as, as uh, Andrew and I become completely unhirable because of our vaccine status, it will definitely <laughs> help us yes. to forge the future and continue to uh, raise human resources and, and otherwise known as children oh. who are not uh, unclean by the vaccine. <laughs> and and it's, you know, it's almost football season and we'll be doing, I'll be show prepping instead of football watching. So. <laughs> I was going to say, how's he going to, how's he going to wrap this one? Cause I, I haven't paid attention yeah. at all. So, so we'll, you know. we'll, we'll pretend that that's out of dedication, not just disgust with the whole <laughs> NFL and you know please support the dedication and yes don't you know at at some level obviously the financial amount helps when it's larger but more supporters is encouraging so even you know if it's sending a check for five bucks that is super appreciated yeah, if everybody you know that listened to this podcast sent a check for five bucks, it would actually make a huge difference for Andrew and I each month. You know, with yeah. just different stuff we'd, we're trying to do. So we'd have like a hundred dollars. <laughs> By the way, Andrew doesn't actually know how many people <laughs> listen to this show. Neither do I, really. Podcast stats are uh, are um, notoriously kind of hard to to track you can track downloads but then how many of those are multiple downloads by the same person or how many of those are downloads that are never listened to so but one thing that i found interesting about our podcast listeners so thank you to all those people who produce the show we hope that you guys can produce the next one which is next week uh, episode 243 which will be covering um all the horrible effects of vax i'm sorry never mind uh <laughs> <laughs> sorry <laughs> it probably will but that's not the that's not the intention it certainly isn't one of the things I noticed on the podcast stats is that most of our listeners listening, downloading on an iOS device. So what does that mean? That means everybody here, not everybody, but a great majority of you have Apple devices out there. And as this story, I think you've heard probably a million times over the last week if you've been paying attention. If you haven't, let me quickly indulge you. We we talked about Snowden, and I think we've gone both ways. We thought he was legit at first, and then kind of what's your current feelings on the Snowden guy? I know that oh. no, agen no agenda has always kind of been doubting of him, like he's playing a role uh, because he always has the nose pad missing from his glasses, <laughs> and it just kind of seems like he's just this guy who... You know, so is he... Is he is not currently imprisoned, is he? Or is he? No, I believe he's hiding in Russia. So he's that's the deal. Okay. 
he's in Russia with a non-extradition situation, I believe. I mean, at this point, you have to give Julian Assange the benefit of the doubt, don't you? Like, absolutely. The, yeah, you got to get a nod. You got a nod. That he's <laughs> I mean, if this is the acting job of all time, if he's not on the up and up, so it, yeah, I, you know, I think there's always the possibility that they're trying to manipulate whistleblowers into uh, putting out information that's useful to them. But you, you kind of got to give the whistleblower the benefit of the doubt. And then and he pointed out a, a lot of stuff that was, you know, it, maybe we knew it and maybe it was knowable, but uh, was not, he, he really did blow the lid off quite a bit of stuff. So, Agreed. Um, so I wanted to read this article from him. And of course, just like every other uh, up and coming, not up and coming, uh, how should I say this? Um, Deplatformed. Censored, censored <laughs> yeah, deplatformed and censored journalist. He has Substack. a Substack. That's right. So by now you've probably heard that Apple's plans to push a new and uniquely intrusive surveillance system out to many more than a billion iPhone users. iPhones it's sold, which all run on the behemoth's proprietary take-it-or-leave-it software. This new offensive is tentatively slated to begin with the launch of iOS 15, almost certainly in mid-September, with the devices of the U.S. user base designated as the initial targets. We're told other countries will be spared, but not for long. You might have noticed I mentioned which pro- uh, might haven't mentioned which problem it is that Apple's supporting or purporting to solve. Why? Because it doesn't matter. I like this take. I just thought this was a good article. Having read thousands upon thousands of remarks on this growing scandal, it has become clear to me that many don't uh, that many understand it doesn't uh, become clear to me that many understand it doesn't matter. But few, if any, have been willing to actually say it. Speaking candidly, candidly, if that's still allowed, that's the way it goes when someone of institutional significance launches a campaign to defend an indefensible intrusion into our private spaces. They make a mad dash to the supposed high ground from which they speak in low, solemn tones about their moral mission before fervently invoking the dread specter of the four horsemen of the infopocalypse, warning that only a dubious amulet or suspicious software update can save us from the most threatening members of our species. Suddenly, everybody with a principled objection is forced to preface their concern with an apologetic throat clearing and the establishment of bona fides. I lost a friend when the towers came down. However, as a parent, I understand this is a real problem. But as a parent, I'm here to tell you that sometimes it doesn't matter why the man in the handsome suit is doing something. What matters are the consequences. Apple's new system, regardless of how anyone tries to justify it, will permanently redefine what belongs to you and what belongs to them. How? The task of Apple intends to use this new surveillance system to perform Preventing their cloud systems from being used to store digital contraband in this case is unlawful. Uh, in this case, unlawful images uploaded by their customers is traditionally performed by searching their systems. While it's still problematic for anyone to search through a billion people's private files, the fact that they can see the files you gave them is a crucial limitation. That they can only see the files you gave them is a crucial limitation. Now, however, that's all about to change. Under the new design, your phone will now perform these searches on Apple's behalf before your photos have even reached their iCloud servers. And yada, 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 if it's forbidden content is discovered, law enforcement will be notified. 
I mentioned I intentionally wave away the technical and procedural details of Apple's system here, some of which are quite clever because they, like our man in the handsome suit, merely distract us from the more pressing fact. The fact that in just a few weeks, Apple plans to erase the boundary dividing which devices work for you and which devices work for them. Why is it so important? Once the precedent has been set that is that it is fit and proper for even a pro privacy company like Apple to make products that betray their own users. Uh, and owners, Apple itself will lose all control over how the precedent is applied. As soon as the public first came to learn of the spy phone plan, experts began investigating its technical weaknesses and the many ways it could be abused, primarily within the parameters of Apple's design. Although these valiant vulnerable, uh, vulnerability research efforts have produced compelling evidence that the system is seriously flawed, they also seriously missed the point. Apple gets to decide whether or not their phones will monitor their owner's infractions for the government. But it's the government that gets to decide what constitutes an infraction and how to handle it. For its part, Apple says that their system in its initial design, uh, version one design, has a narrow focus. It scrutinizes photos intended to be uploaded to iCloud. Although for 85% of its customers, that means every photo. And it does not scrutinize them beyond a simple comparison against a database of specific examples of previously identified child sex abuse material. If you're an enterprising young pedophile with a basement full of child sex abuse material tainted iPhones, Apple welcomes you to uh, entirely exempt yourself from these scans by simply flipping the disable iCloud photos switch, a bypass which reveals that the system was never actually designed to protect children, as they would have you believe, but rather to protect their brand. As long as you keep the material off their servers and so keep it Apple out of the headlines, Apple doesn't care. So what happens when in a few years at the latest, a politician points out that in order to protect the children, bills are passed in the legislature to prohibit this disabled bypass, effectively compelling Apple to scan photos that aren't backed up to iCloud? What happens when a party in India demands that they start scanning for memes associated with the separatist movement? What happens when the UK demands they scan for library of terrorist imagery? How long do we have left before the iPhone in your pocket begins to quietly file reports about encountering extremist political material or about your presence at a civil disturbance or simply your phone's possession of a video clip that contains or maybe uh, does not contain a blurry image of a passerby who resembles, according to an alg algorithm, a person of interest? If Apple demonstrates the capability and willingness to continuously remotely search every phone for evidence of one particular type of crime, these are questions for which they will have no answer. And yet an answer will come, and it will come from the worst lawsuit makers of the worst governments. This is not a slippery slope, it's a cliff. One particular frustration for me is that I know some people at Apple, and I like some people at Apple, bright principled people who should know better. Actually, they do know better. Every security expert in the world is screaming themselves hoarse, imploring Apple to stop, even those experts who in more normal circumstances reliably argue in favor of censorship. Even some survivors of child exploitation are against it. Yet, the OG designer Galileo once said, it moves. Faced with blistering torrent of, glo of global condemnation, Apple has uh, responded not by addressing concerns or making any changes, or more sensibly by just scrapping the plan altogether, but by deploying their man in the handsome suit software chief who resembles the well-moisturized villain from a movie about Wall Street to give you quotes. Uh, yes, the Wall Street Journal. Uh, to my <clears throat> handsome suit software chief who resembles the well-moisturized villain from a movie about Wall Street to give quotes to. Yes, the Wall Street Journal about how 
Sorry, the company is for the confusion it caused and how the public shouldn't worry. Apple feels good about what they're doing. Neither the message nor the messenger was a mistake. Apple dispatched its SVP software uh, Kendall to speak with the journal, not to protect the company's interests or company's users, but to reassure the company's investors. His role was to create the false impression that this is not something that you or anyone else should be upset about. And collaterally, his role was to ensure this new policy would be associated with the face of Apple, uh, of an Apple executive other than CEO Tim Cook, just in case the rollout or fallout results in a corporate beheading. Why? Why is Apple risking so much for uh, child sex abuse material detection system that has been denounced as dangerous and is easily purported, uh, repurposed for surveillance and censorship by the very computer scientists who already put it to the test? What could be worth this de device or dis decisive shattering of the foundational Apple idea that an iPhone belongs to the person who carries it rather than the company that made it? Apple, designed in California, assembled in China, purchased by you, owned by us. The one answer to these questions that optimists keep coming back to is the likelihood that Apple is doing this as a prelude to finally switching over to end-to-end -end encryption for everything its customers store on iCloud, something Apple had previously intended to do before backtracking in a dismaying display of cowardice after the FBI complained secretly. For the unfamiliar, what I'm describing here as end-to-end -end is a somewhat complex concept, but briefly it means that the two endpoints sharing a file, say two phones on opposite sides of the internet, are able to decrypt it. Even if the file were being stored and served from an iCloud server in Cupertino, as far as Apple or any other middleman in a handsome suit is concerned, that file is just an indecipherable blob of random garbage. The file becomes a text message, a video, a phone, a photo, or whatever it is, when it is paired with that key that possessed by you and only you, and by those who choose to share it. This is the end goal of end-to-end -end encryption, drawing a new and eradicable line in the digital sand dividing your data from their data. It also allows you to trust the service provider to store your data without granting them the ability to understand it. This would mean that even Apple itself would no longer be expected to rummage through your iCloud account with its grabby little raccoon hands, and therefore could not be expected to hand it over to any government that can stamp a sheet of paper, which is precisely why the FBI has again secretly complained. For Apple to realize this original version would have an, represented a huge improvement in the privacy of our devices, effectively delivering the final word in a 30-year-long debate over establishing a new industry standard, and by extension, the global expectation that parties seeking access to data from a device must obtain it from that device rather than turn to the internet and its ecosystem into a spy machine. Unfortunately, I'm here to report that once again, the optimists are wrong. Apple's proposal to make their phones inform on and betray their owners marks the dawn of a dark future, one to be written in the blood of political opposition of 100 countries that will exploit this system to the hilt. See, the day after this system goes live, it will no, matter, matter, it will no longer matter whether Apple ever in, enables end-to-end -end encryption, because our iPhones will be reporting their contents before our, our keys are even used. I can't think of a company that has so proudly, so publicly distributed spyware to its own devices, and I can't think of a threat more dangerous to a product's security than the mischief of its own maker. There is no fundamental technological limit to how far the precedent Apple is establishing can be pushed. I mean, the only restraints is Apple's all-too-flexible company policy, something governments understand all too well. I would say there should be a law, but I fear it would only make things worse. We are bearing witness to the construction of an all-seeing eye, an eye of providence, under whose aegis every iPhone will search itself for whatever Apple wants or whatever Apple is directed to want. 
They are inventing a world in which every product you purchase owes its highest loyalty to someone other than its owner. To put it bluntly, this is not an innovation, but a tragedy, a disaster in the making. Or maybe I'm confused, or maybe I just think different. Still with me? Did you fall asleep? No, I liked it. it Other it, than it, that last set, sentence, like, come on, come on, Edward Snowden, you're right. You know you're right. Don't like, or maybe I'm just confused. No. So this will take me to my next part of my next part of you know the thing I want to talk about, and this is I think it's still pretty high up. It's actually a, a couple of comments that are. Uh, the first two comments that were actually liked by Edward Snowden, which I thought were pretty uh, telling. Um, one of them is, we all agree and support efforts to fight crime, but the pre-digital equivalent of Apple's plan is, to th is this. A police officer enters your home every night, walks to the bookcase, pulls out your family photo album, looks through every page and after page, and runs comparison with whatever he has in his database. There are your family photos, children playing, intimate moments with your significant other, embarrassing selfies, etc. The police officer keeps copies of all the photos, too, forever. Question one, how does this fight crime? Question two, how does this not violate the Fourth Amendment, the right of the people to secure in their persons, houses, and papers and effects against reasonable uncertain seizures? Question three, what in the world gives the government and private corporation the right to look through my family photos? When the government says, if you have nothing to hide, you have nothing to fear, you got to remind them that privacy isn't about hiding, it's about protecting. And the right to secure, to be secure in your person is all about protecting yourself. If the government argues that scanning through my family photo albums and keeping copies forever is an unreasonable search, is not an unreasonable search and seizure, then maybe somebody should do something to stop this techno-fascism, which I thought was a great comment. And this next one just got me all fired up. Uh, I have been an Apple customer since the LLC, and I've had every iPhone they've ever made along with too many other of their products to count. I find it uh, intolerable that they would presume to violate my privacy in this way. It's been a good run, but I think it's time to begin the transition to an Ubuntu laptop and a secure phone. Steve Jobs must be rolling in his grave. And that's kind of where the direction of this show is probably going to go, um, at least in the future, is I am I have gone to elementary OS, so I have a Ubuntu-based Linux system on my MacBook which I've been running and it, it's awesome. Like it's amazing. There's so many cool things you can do with it. And it's, you know, it lacks the, I'm, I'm learning all the technical terms so I can speak about this um, in it with somewhat education is that, or intelligently, is that it has less attack surface. So can someone, can the NSA get into the back of your computer somehow through the chip and some sort of back door and then see what's on there? It's possible. It's going to be a lot harder because it's not Windows where you can't see what's going on back there or uh, I, or, or Mac OS where you definitely can't see what's going on with back there. But it's possible. But is that kind of the end all be all? I don't want the NSA to see it. No, that's not it. Is it you know, I, I just want to take the necessary precautions to make sure that it is just as, as private to me as it can be. And that's what it if that's what it takes. And if we're going to continue to head down this road where the biggest podcaster in the world is getting on the Twitter and saying, Ivermectin helped save me, and people are losing their crap. You should see the comments on that video we just played. <laughs> people are losing it. Not Ameri the Amer face. <laughs> America had a good run. Yeah, he's recommending the biggest podcaster in America is recommending horse paste on Twitter. It's been a good run, America. So as that stuff continues to happen, 
it's going to be important for us to have our own ecosystems. It's going to be important for us to like maybe grow our own food or maybe do this or maybe do that. And so it's hard to even kind of start taking these steps. Do I think you need to throw your iPhone out right now? No. Do I think that turning off the iCloud features is a temporary uh, uh, solution? Yes. But do I think that that's the only thing that we can do? Absolutely not, because it's not going to take long. It may be five months. It may be five years. It may be 10, 15 years down the road. But eventually, this ivermectin thing, right, or the hydroxychloroquine thing, or these anti-vax things are going to be linked to extremist content, and it's going to be on your phone, and someone's going to be able to flag it and say, look at all this stuff this guy has on their phone. It's extremist content. It's a dystopic future. And we can stop it at least ha from happening to ourselves by getting to open source software. So as I spoke about last week, I got the Pixel phone. I have a Pixel 4a right here, and it is currently running Graphene OS. Graphene OS is a Android version of operating system because Android is actually all open source. And the way they do it, they give you this great operating system and they give it away for free. Google says, look at this. Anybody can see how it works. It's amazing. Come and check it out. And you go and you get this cool phone and you check it out and you log in. And then it's like, hey, here's your email. Just set it up with Gmail. Here's your YouTube. Set it up there. Here's your maps. You got Google Maps. Here's your stuff. And it's all just presenting your entire life to them so that they can better learn how to track and serve up advertisements to you, as well as the strange, you know, funding that started back in Google in the early 2000s, which leads many to believe that it's part of the NSA. So, Android, the open operating system that it is, without Google, means Android without any of those apps that that and and that uh, are obviously uh, leaking data, leaking your data, or giving your data to Google. And you basically sign on to this. I mean, they let you know right up front, hey, we're going to use this. And you're like, okay, cool. But, you know, YouTube's awesome and Gmail's great. So it's fine and everything's fine. And I've never been a part of that, right? Like I've always been against that. That's not what I want. Apple is like, hey, you pay too much money for this phone, but it's yours and the stuff on it's you. And I'm like, okay, I'm good with that. Like I don't want, you know, to be advertised to. That makes sense. I'll pay double or triple the amount up front so I have no ads to deal with. That's cool. Now we not have that option. So Android that's open, it doesn't have any of those apps. And it also, this version of it, which is called Graphene OS, you download from the Graphene OS website. And what happens is it doesn't it doesn't phone back, okay? So it's not an Android operating system that phones back to Google. What's the update? This phones back to Graphene. This phones back to Graphene OS. And this is the only one that it has. So I've been actually using it. I got the phone yesterday. I uploaded uh, Graphene OS to it. Um, I have just been using it on Wi-Fi. I haven't actually put my SIM into it, but I've been listening to podcasts. There's a, wh which one did I get? Is it Playapod or one of these open source, not open source, but podcasting 2.0 apps for uh, podcasts. It's uh, Podverse. It looks amazing. You can actually, there's like a, a way to contribute money to the, to the, to the podcast, mm. which is kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, I've been using Proton Mail with it, which I know you recently signed up for Proton Mail. So now our emails are end to end encrypted. So you know, I have a phone that's not that's not phoning back to Google, and it's also using Proton Mail servers. I'm using the Proton Mail app, so I'm sending you know uh, stuff that way. And here's where it gets kind of interesting. So as far as apps, there are pure Android apps that you can actually install yourself. So the biggest hurdle I think that people are going to have to getting this phone or using it is there's no apps. You can't 
go to the Play Store. Because you go to the Play Store, you create a Google account. Google sees what you have. It phones back to the Play Store to see if there's new updates, and it's constant communication, right? In this case, I want you to think of it as like your your uh, uh, Windows machine. So you sit down at your Windows machine, and you decide, I want to get this program. And you download an EXE file, right? And then you actually have to install it, and you have to say yes. You basically do that with this phone. You have to go to this. There is a whole store full of just the Android apps that are what they call APK which are just the software of the app. It doesn't phone back to the Play Store. It doesn't let Google know you have them, but you're downloading the application. And here's the cool part about it too. It's sandboxed immediately. So it can't talk to the other apps. About five years ago, this was a huge ordeal because iOS was the same way and Google got them to change that so that the apps could talk to each other. So if you run Google, YouTube, and Maps all on your phone from Google, they do all talk to each other. They know what's going on and they compile that information. With this phone, it's all sandboxed so the apps can't talk to each other. And it asks you, do you want this app to be able to see your phone? Do you want this or do, to see your camera? Do you want this? Do you want that? It's, it's pretty cool. So after using it for a full day, I didn't have my, my uh, 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 SIM card in it, so it's not perfect. And again, this phone, let's, let's, let's really nail down what I'm, what I'm accomplishing by using this phone. Will the NSA be able to track my, loca my location? Absolutely. Oh, yeah, Th that's over. And we talked about this a long time ago. As soon as cell phones and pagers came out that have to go off of towers, they can track your location. I mean, it's over. That's done. They will be able to see where you are, what, what tower you're, you're knocking off of, and be able to track you down. So that's not going to stop that. Is there a back vulnerability where they can hack through the, 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 the chip that's in the back and get into my phone that way? Maybe. Maybe that's a possibility. Maybe that's what the NSA is doing. But that's not why they have this phone. I have this phone because there's no apps that are talking to each other and then sending my information out to advertisers who are then getting information about me and sending it to me in the form of advertisements. This phone is actually just doing what I tell it. It's very clean. It's actually kind of boring but it just does what I tell it to do. It's a tool. It's not something that runs your life. There's no cool features that'll, you know, make you, you know, kill time and do all the stuff that, you know, your Instagram and all that stuff. And I'm limiting the different apps that I'm putting on it and I'm enjoying it, but it's, it's simple. It's straightforward. It does what it's supposed to do. Um, here's the crazy part. You ready? Battery. I never charged it. It came with 90% battery yesterday and I had to install a new operating system onto it. And then I've been using it all day since. I've not plugged this phone in ever. Never plugged the phone in. Current battery life, day two, 45%. Yeah. <laughs> and that is with substantial screen on time because I was doing a lot of fidgeting yesterday. So what does that mean? That means that your phone, yeah, this is five hours of screen time that's been used. Still 45%. And this phone isn't very big. So it turns out when it's not phoning home every two seconds to see if you need an update or to, to report what you've been doing or to see what app you've been using or for all those different advertisers or cookies and stuff to run in the back of your browser every time you get on something, it actually keeps the battery running nicely. Anyway, I will continue to use this phone. I may actually slip my SIM card into it or I may get a different one. I might go for the Pixel 5, which is the, a newer one. This is the 4A. I bought this thing. I think it cost me with tax and shipping 350 bucks. It's in mint condition. Came with a charger and a cord. 
Graphene OS is already installed in it. If anybody reaches out to me and says they want this phone, I think for my time, it's worth maybe 50 bucks plus the shipping or whatever, but I'll, I'll sell this phone to a listener, 400 bucks. That's, and that's just, I'll move on to the next one. Remember this show? We used to do that. We used to send out like old computers that we put Linux on and it could run for other people. So if you're excited about Graphene OS, you're interested, just shoot, shoot an email, go to the contact tab at revelationsradionews.com. Say, hey, I'll, I want that phone. You know, we'll figure out the payment or whatever, and then I'll send it out to you and then I'll move on to the next one. I'm hoping to kind of fidget around with it, eventually pull my SIM card out of my iPhone and uh, be using it exclusively. I think the dream you and I talked about was uh, living in a possibly living in a red state, hilariously, and then uh, open source software on the computer in the in the phone. <laughs> so it's uh, it's kind of a it's kind okay. of a cool thing. If anybody has any questions about it, if anybody's interested in it, there'll be a link to Graphene OS, or you can just search it out. Pretty cool system. I'm definitely going to be uh, talking about it more in the future. And uh, yeah, do you have any questions, or did I cover it all kind of well? No, that's good. Yeah, I'm, I'm anxious to see how it works out, and if you if you hit anything where it's like, oh man, I really wish it could do this, and it can't, or if sure, it, you know, it just ends up doing everything that you. I think, I think, like, I think for you, right, you have a super old Android phone yourself, and this is just get you away from Google onto this. I think this phone will work perfectly for you. Like, uh, I think it's, but my, my only issue and then the the issue that people are going to have, if they're coming from, especially the newer iPhones or whatever, is man, the photos are not as great. I mean, Mm. the, the new iPhone photos and the new Pixel photos are just so good. It's ridiculous how good they are. Um, and then, you know, so this, but I think there is a couple of camera apps that I can play with and some settings I can play with. And I think I can get it, you know, maybe 75% of the way there, which is going to be awesome. So unless you have a brand, brand new phone with some of these crazy, you know, amazing cameras that they have, you probably won't even notice a difference. Um, if you have those, then it's going to be some work, at least on my end to try and figure out what I got to do. But, um, yeah, man, I mean, it's, it's been awesome so far, and it, it, it's kind of an experience to go through and install software. Like you, you know, you have to. Are you sure you want to install this? This, this is not from the, you know, this is not, you know, this could, this could hurt your. It's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I want to install it. Yeah. I know what I'm doing. You just kind of. But this one's ready to go. I've got, you know, so I've, I think the only kind of issue I, I ran into is I had Signal activated on two phones, which Signal did not like that. Signal and end-to-end encrypted messaging service, which you know people can look into as well. Um, and that's really one of the only problems I've run into, but other than that, it's been great and, uh, yeah, highly recommend it. I'm sure we will talk about it more in the future. Awesome. All right. Well, we bought it probably going to get going pretty soon. I never covered any of my stuff that we had about, uh, Canada, uh, Canada. I got a couple uh, quick clips yeah. I could play though. Let me play a couple quick clips. Okay. Uh, we played, the, I, we played Chris sky a couple weeks ago. After yep. he spoke at the Montreal protest, let's uh, let's hear from him again. Uh, Canada ratcheting up. I've been speaking to my cousin about it, and I think it's important to kind of t- to uh, touch base just, on what's going on up there. But before you play it, mm-hmm. just out of curiosity, is your cousin who is Canadian? Does he know Chris Guy? Like, is he? He knew him. Okay. He knew him immediately. Okay. Yep. And he, and he's on the wrong side of the country too. He's all the way over here in Vancouver, and he knows him. So. Okay. 
I've been predicting exactly what's going to happen for the last two years. And now it's gotten to the point where the Vax Pass is the thing that's going to unite the country together against the government. Whether vaccinated or not, people do not like the Vax Pass. So when I go around telling people this is what's going to happen in the next few months, especially the vaccinated, because they're the ones that believe getting Vax would get them out of this. In reality, this is Canada's future, and the U.S. isn't far behind. Justin Trudeau wins the election in September. Justin Trudeau locks us down. The vaccinated start getting sick. They blame it on a new variant. They blame the new variant on the unvaccinated. They use that as an excuse to implement the vaccine passport on all of us. That's our future. We're not going to be able to change that in the short term. But if you warn everybody about that, when it actually happens, you're going to bring more people vaccinated and non-vaccinated on the side of the fence of freedom against the vax pass. And if people think that it's not, a, it's a fruitless opposition, we already have created groups in British Columbia for businesses against the vaccine passport. And there's almost 80,000 businesses already within a week that signed into that group saying that they will not enforce the vaccine passport. So ladies and gentlemen, I'll be clear. The vaccine passport is their big push to implement tyranny. If we allow it to stand, uh, that's our rights and freedoms that people fought and died for, gone for good, and now government-granted privileges. I thought that was great. I love this guy. He's uh, constantly standing up to the tyrants. And uh, meanwhile, every everywhere he turns, Trudeau is getting booed off the stage. Have you seen these clips of people showing? Yes. You know, Trudeau shows up and he gets com- <laughs> completely booed away. People start chasing after him, calling him I, names. And I think it, in one day he had to revise the location he was going to three times because there were too many people there at the first two locations that were ready to boo him. And yeah, one of them was right over here in Surrey, just north of us, uh, south of Vancouver. So after he's booed out of two or three places in in Vancouver, we had the uh, this this is uh, who is this guy? The NDP leader uh, on the Trudeau rally. Uh, last night at the uh, Liberal event. Um, we heard the Liberal leader talking about it last night. I'd like to get your take on this. What do you think is driving the vitriol we're seeing out there right now? And is there any way to lower the temperature? Uh, first off, I want to say that uh, that should not happen. You know, no <laughs> one should have to cancel their, their events where we have, stu- we, have, we have young people, we have volunteers, we have organizers. No one should have to cancel an event because they're worried about a danger to the safety of people coming out to a political event. That should not happen. And, uh, and I just want to condemn that that the violence le- reached a level where an event had to be canceled like that. And, and uh, Mr. Trudeau and his team were, were worried about their safety. That should never have happened. And, and that's wrong. Uh, and, and but I also want to s- remind folks that that while there are some people that we that we've got to try to convince and, and try to work with who, who may not understand the importance of the vaccine, the vast majority of Canadians agree. Mm-hmm. It, it is very clear we are seeing uh, a very good level of, of uptake for the vaccination. The vast majority of Canadians want to take care of one another, want to do what they can to keep each other safe, understand that adults have to get vaccinated so we can protect kids, uh, children under 12 who can't get vaccinated yet. So uh, I want to remind Canadians that there, while there are some challenges, the vast majority of Canadians agree that it would be helpful to have a vaccine passport so we can actually travel out easier. Having a document to prove our vaccination would be something easy and it would make life uh, better. We've got a plan for that. We believe the federal government should provide a document that can be used not just for international travel, but for local travel around Canada. We've, uh, my team and I, we travel to the Atlantic provinces where they've got a, a strong system in place to make sure people are vaccinated. But 
uh, it was complicated. It was it was hard to be able to find ways to prove that we were vaccinated and to to use the the forums and, and different uh, online programs that they had. It would be a lot easier to have a federal document we could easily show and say, hey, we're vaccinated. We got proof of it. So we absolutely want to just. Why not a world people. document? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had a billion dollars of your tax money. We're going to make it a document that you have to present. Show us mm. your papers. So show is us this papers. Uh, I know nothing about Canadian politics, right? I know Trudeau is the Liberal Party. Right. This guy's apparently not in the Liberal Party, but still pushing the exact same agenda. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. That's, yeah. That's cool. That's cool. No big deal. You can see, you can see why Chris Guy said voting's not going to solve this. Absolutely yeah. not. So Trudeau's response, is he going to back down? We've already canceled one rally. Your message today was overshadowed here by this. It was very distracting for people listening on television at home, hearing, trying to hear your message on, on climate change. Can you keep campaigning the same way now? Can you keep doing public events that, in one case, you say put the safety of campaign volunteers, people coming out, uh, putting uh, police into the line of fire here. Can you keep campaigning the same way? Everything we've done over the past year and a half, indeed over the past six years, has been focused on keeping Canadians safe. And we will continue to do that. But part of keeping Canadians safe is making sure that everyone gets vaccinated, making sure that our kids are safe, making sure that we continue to move forward on being even more ambitious on the fight against climate change. These are the ways we will continue to make Canadians safer and more prosperous in the years to come. So no, I'm not going to back down on a message that Canadians know is the right path forward. And that's why Canadians need to choose to move Canada forward in this pivotal time. We must make an impulse. And of course, it has to be in French as well. So, yep, not backing down. Trump or Trump. <laughs> Trudeau. <laughs> Trump Trudeau. Do. Trump Doe. Yeah, Trump yeah. Doe not backing down. So, um, from what I've seen and from what my cousin has sent me, he the, the poll numbers are not looking good for Trudeau. Because, as you heard, the guy, he's gone to two different locations. Like you said, he said the... He said to reorganize himself or go because people were just chasing him down, booing him. You can hear in the background of that press conference, people are screaming at him, booing him, calling him names. You and I talked offline about the guy who went up and, you know, uh, called him a commie. It took a, like a selfie with him and Trudeau all leans in and smiles and he calls him a commie something or other. You know, it's <laughs> like it, the people don't people aren't going along with this. They keep telling you that vaccines are safe and effective. Everyone agrees. Everyone's ready to go along with it. But even even if the vaccine numbers are right up there in Canada, not everyone is going along with it. And not everybody wants Trudeau. I mean, Trudeau yeah. is just he can't meet with his people. I mean, you remember the 1800s? We would learn about this. Yeah. yeah. Conservative holds narrow lead over liberals. Uh, Aaron O'Toole is up to 33.8%. Liberal Justin Trudeau, 31%. The new Democrat, that was Jagmeet Singh, who was the person who is not the liberal. He's the new Democrat. That was the one who was speaking about. That should not happen in Canada. Yeah. And then uh, is there With any... The vaccine you know, passport. We need a federal vaccine passport. Yeah. A world vaccine passport. <laughs> And so they say, hey, is there any way we can turn down the vitriol? And, and the answer from him is, I'm not going to back down. So the guy gets booed out of every place he goes, doesn't see a problem with it, and wants to continue the party line. 
you know, because, you know, a few years ago he was sacrificing, oh, yeah, it's, sacrificing it, babies with Epstein and, you know, they all came up with this plan and he signed on to it or else we'll release those photos of you. So you got to go with it. And by the way, I think that's how a lot of this stuff is getting going down. I think I don't think Apple came up with this idea on their own. I don't think that Apple is like, hey, you know what would be cool? We should start scanning our because that's been against everything they've said they were going to do for so long. And then they also you got to remember, Apple is the is the is the hype beast. Right. Every time there's a new phone, people get hype because, oh, this came out and this came out and this came out. Every single little feature is let out months in advance so that by the time it gets here, everybody's like, oh, my gosh, it's finally here. So why did they wait till like right before the release of iOS 15 to tell them like, hey, by the way, we're going to throw this in there. <laughs> I don't I don't think they wanted to do it. And I think this is more and more what's happened in some of these politicians that are clearly on the getting, you know, destroyed in the public quarter public opinion. Macron is getting destroyed in the quarter public opinion. Trudeau, they're all getting destroyed, but they all are keeping going along with the plan. And I well, think that that is that is part of the deal. But we we all need to remember that the politicians aren't the ones devising and executing the plan they're just out there to take the heat for it that's so yes it's good it's good that they're taking heat but guess what do you vote the bums out and the agenda rolls on you know unless you're voting out the gates foundation and the rockefeller foundation and and uh satan and his demons the agenda will still roll on and it if we've got three minutes, I wanted to play a clip from uh, Jason Burmis. Okay. And the, the context, the overall video is he's talking about the Spike Lee um, New York documentary that talked about 9-11 in a, like, open and maybe these 9-11 truthers have a point way. And then there was a report that he was re-editing and not going to talk about it. And we'll have to see it's still kind of open but Burmis just kind of goes through if you start at the six minute mark of that i um, will i will after just one thing i have to mention this now because it actually fits in nicely meet yeah. the consulting firm that's staffing the biden administration like you said the the uh, politicians are not yeah. the ones coming up with the plan believe it or not joe biden but, did not devise the afghanistan withdrawal on his own absolutely so there's a company called west exec and i'll just read this is just from the infographics that were in the uh, article which talks about uh from its headquarters just blocks from the white house a small high-powered team of former ambassadors lawyers and obama appointees have spent a few years solving the world's problems for the biggest companies uh less than six months ago into the biden administration more than 15 consultants from that firm have fanned out across the white house and its foreign policy apparatus and its law enforcement institutes five uh, some of whom already have jobs within the administration have been nominated for high-ranking posts and four others served on the bias biden harris transition team even by washington standards it's a remarkable march through the revolving door especially for a firm that only launched in 2017. the pipeline has produced some dominance of West exec alums through the administration installed in senior roles as influential as influential influential as director of national intelligence or secretary of state West exec clients meanwhile have controversial interests in tech defense and intersect with policies that their former consultants <laughs> are now in a position to set and execute so just skipping down to the infographic after those two opening paragraphs 
We got Tony Blinken, who was a West exec from 2017 to 2020. He was the co-founder and managing partner. Now he's the Secretary of State. We have Avril Haines, who was the principal from 2017 to 2020. She's now the Director of National Intelligence. David Cohen was a principal from 2018 to 2020, Deputy Director of the CIA. Lisa Monaco, principal from 2018 to 2020. She's now the Deputy Attorney General. Chris Ingalls, principal from 2018 to 2021. Now he's the National Cyber Director. Jen Psaki, Senior Advisor, 2017 to 2020. She's now the White House Press Secretary. Eli Ratner, Senior Advisor, 2017 to 2021, Assistant Secretary of Defense for Indo-Pacific Security Affairs. And then moving on down, Colin Thomas Jensen, West Exec Senior Advisor, 2018 to 2021. Now in the Biden administration is the National Security Director, USAID. Michael Camilleri, Senior Advisor at West Exec, Senior Advisor to USAID Administrator. Gabriel Sheffitz, Senior Associate from 2018 to 2020, Special Assistant to the Undersecretary of Defense for Policy. Julianne Smith, Senior Advisor at West Exec from 2018 to 2020, Senior Advisor to Secretary of State, Permanent Representative to NATO State Department. Barbara Leaf, Senior Advisor in 2020, now Senior Advisor, Senior Director for the Middle East National Security Council, Assistant Secretary for Near Eastern Affairs State Department. Elizabeth Rosenberg, Senior Advisor from 2019 to 2021, Counselor to the Deputy Secretary Treasury, Assistant Secretary for Terrorist Financing and, uh, and part of the Treasury. Matt Olson, Principal, 2017 to 2018, Assistant Attorney General, National Security Division, Justice Department. A couple of those were nominated posts, but you get the idea. So yep. uh, one company that we've never heard of staffing almost, not almost, but a huge portion of the White House. And, and the way the revolving door works, you, you know, get that government job. Uh, then you go work in the private sector and get paid off for the people that you did favors for. And then you get back into government and do more favors for the people that gave you business in the private sector. Same thing at the FDA. We've got uh, Janet Woodcock, who was the temporary head of the FDA because Scott Gottlieb had to spend more time with his family and join the board of Pfizer and take his payoff money. And um, so she's, you know, just a temporary person just in there approving the Pfizer vaccine. And now there's an article from an industry publication, FierceBiotech.com, saying that because of fallout supposedly from Aduhelm, which she approved despite they, you know, them not going through all the normal steps. Um, just, you know, that she is not going to get to be the permanent head of the FDA. You know, let, let's just throw some darts on where she goes. She gets upset that she doesn't get the permanent head FDA job. And does she end up at Pfizer? Or is that too obvious? Maybe Moderna? Maybe Johnson & Johnson? What do you think, Tim? I don't know. Pfizer? Maybe maybe at this place, maybe that <laughs> this consulting yeah, West, firm, West Exec. And then there's another like two top FDA vaccine leaders stepping down over agency, you know, because the administration was telling them what to do instead of letting them do their jobs. And you know, Marion Gruber, she's been there 32 years. I'm not I'm not buying that she's you know suddenly got a conscience and is is stepping down over 
you know, anything but a power struggle. But what I think is happening is it now's the time for the payoff. And you approved that Pfizer jab. You know, you didn't you didn't speak out on that. It's payoff time. It's golden parachute time. So mm-hmm. you watch where these people end up. But um, yeah, let's hear the the Burmese clip there. Promised you all the JFK documents twice and failed. He's referring to Trump promising the JFK from 50 plus years ago. Okay, okay, over half a century ago. How do you at all take on the deep state today? And just the fact that one of the most successful filmmakers of a generation is going to re-edit his film afterwards because of public pressure just shows how weak we are as a society. Because again, I'll say it, we're in the situation we are now because we didn't demand the truth about 9-11. We didn't hold anybody accountable. We did allow things like the Patriot Act and DHS to grow, 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 grow. We did allow black sites like Gitmo and Abu Ghraib. And then later on, again, a lot of you hopiates started talking up Gitmo again like it was a good thing. Think about that. That's how weak you are. And I'm sorry. Anybody who thinks those were good things, anyone who espoused them in any way, you're weak. You're you're malleable. You've fallen for the propaganda. Okay. And (laughs) what we we didn't put any just because you voted for Barack Obama didn't mean you changed a damn thing. Not a damn thing. Instead, what you really did is you got the Bush administration 3.0, right? 3.0, because let's be honest, the first Bush administration really starts to ramp up that national security state, even under the Reagan administration. The Cheneys, the Rumsfelds of the world, look into the national program office, look into what the continuity of government was doing then, expanding. All those things are real, okay? And then Clinton, you got Mr. Mina, Arkansas, huh? Huh? Iran Contra Corral, right? You know what I'm talking about, Barry Seal. All you guys that get it. You had Clinton in there was a little bit different. It was the new cartel coming up. They were still in the family. But when he got his son in there, his son wasn't running anything. George Bush wasn't running anything. I mean, by today's standards, George Bush was like an intellectual, like on the ball compared to what Joe Biden has become. But back then, if it was then, you know, Joey B, you know, that Barack Obama runs cover from, for another frontman, frontman after frontman after frontman. At least Trump did try to be his own guy. But the problem was that everybody behind him were a bunch of deep state, just evil people. Let's be, establishment liars that are for all of this. And again, those people that supported Trump were so weak, were so weak, they couldn't even call him out on the JFK stuff. So we're going to read this article. And I'm sorry I feel this way, but but why do you think, again, there are about to be uh, mandates for a third shot all the way around? Don't think those mandates aren't coming. They, you, they're already working on those. Why, why do you think all of these shots are go, going to be approved again and again and again? Why do you think your CDC, your FDA have been taken? If they're taken, it's here. So, again, guys, let's get into it. Thumbs it up, subscribe, and share. We don't even have 100 watchers on uh, YouTube. You know, again, 63,000 subscribers. Can't get 100 live. 
Can't get 100 live almost eight minutes That's deep it. into a video. What can you do? So I thought that was good. And <laughs> good reminder. I mean, that's the thing. Like, we, we didn't get the truth about 9-11. I'm not even, like, the partial, like, surface-level Saudi Arabia connections. And we can't even get the truth on the JFK assassination. And we, we've got people running around saying it's okay. Uh, Trump's got Hillary Clinton locked up in Gitmo. You know, we're in, <laughs> if that's what we're counting on, we're in trouble. It's not going to be a politician that that comes to our rescue here. That's true. We got to stand up and stop it. That's the only way that this ends when we end it. So let's just keep standing on truth. Truth always wins um, in the end. So let's just let's keep standing on it. Stay healthy, like we talked about. After the music, uh, the outro that we do at the end of the show, I usually add maybe not usually. But there's sometimes a little clip, a little bonus clip. This time, by the time you hear the music, there's going to be a lot left. And that's, uh, I think it's important we play at least the audio of the mass formation of Professor Matthias that uh, that brought that forward, don't you think? Yeah. Yeah, that is very good. I will even have to listen to that myself because I haven't heard the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's really good. And I think it explains very well where we are. That maybe it'll help you to kind of, everybody out there to kind of understand what we're dealing with because it's very very real there is people who just don't want to get locked up and locked down again and they'll do anything they have to do to make sure they don't have to do that including you know turn on things that they know aren't true and be mean to people they don't that they like and, and mm-hmm. do all kinds of strange things so i think it's important that we at least touch base on that play that audio but uh before we get out of here we got to uh touch base with you Let's see if we got some uh, some words of wisdom for the day. Compliance is violence, Tim. Those are my words of wisdom. <laughs> Compliance is violence. I like it. I like That's it. it. You know, all the gulags and the concentration camps and everything else happens because people comply. I agree. Not because people stand up to it. I agree 110%, my friend. Well... As we uh, continue to live on in, in uh, blue state utopia up here with the uh, outdoor mask mandates and mandates for vaccinations, we ask that other people out there pray for us and even pray for us in just our decision-making process moving into the future <laughs> Yeah. as we consider many, many, many things. So. Do we run for the hills? And if we do, what hills do we run to? That's, <laughs> that's the answer. That's, uh, that's, the, that's the question. And if not, how do we uh, carve ourselves out a little life over here? I, I did meet with somebody who found me through the Corbett Report, got in touch with me, and invited me over to his house. He has uh, He's growing food. His wife is starting a homeschooling network. Um, That's awesome. They, they collect rainwater. They bought a Sprinter van so that they can just bug out if they have to and live out of the van. And um, it, was, it was quite the uh, awesome kind of inspiring thing. There are people around us every day who are kind of against this whole ordeal. And I think maybe maybe now more than ever, it's time to get in, in touch with them and, and learn about them and, and be close to them. You know, power in numbers, strength in numbers. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, I guess we'll do it again next week, Mr. Andrew. Sounds good. Thanks, Tim. A copy of this podcast, as well as links to each story covered, are available at revelationsradionews.com. 
To contact Andrew and Tim or to support Revelations Radio News, please visit revelationsradionews.com and click on the Contact tab or Support tab. Please check out the other podcasts at revelationsradionetwork.com and thank you for your support of this podcast. Don't you say very specific conditions uh, before mass formation and totalitarian thinking emerges in a society. Uh, and these, in, these, these conditions are uh, as important as the, as the media itself. Uh, but that doesn't take away, without mass media, uh, you cannot create a, 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 a mass formation or crowd formation uh, at a scale uh, as we experienced it now and as a scale as it has been experienced uh, shortly before uh, uh, the Second World War in uh, Nazi Germany and in the first part of the 20th century uh, in the Soviet Union. You need, uh, you need uh, mass media to, to create uh, uh, mass phenomena uh, at, at that scale. Uh, that's true, yes. You are um, a psychoanalytic psychotherapist. You're a lecturing professor at Ghent University in Belgium, and you specialize in the mechanisms of mass formation and totalitarian thinking. Is, is that correct? I, I'm a professor in clinical psychology at the Ghent University, and I'm also uh, I also have a master degree in statistics. Um, but um, uh, in this crisis, I, I've been taking uh, the perspective of, of mass psychology. Yes, indeed. Uh, in the beginning of the crisis, uh, I, I, I have been studying the statistics and the numbers, and um, uh, actually, I noticed that they were often. Uh, blatantly wrong, uh, and and at the same time, people continue to, to to believe in it and to 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 go along with uh, with um, uh, with uh, the, the the mainstream narrative, and that was why I uh, I started to 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 study it rather from uh, from the perspective of mass psychology, and because I knew that uh, mass formation has huge huge impact uh, on uh, individuals' intelligence and cognitive functioning. And I've, I had the feeling that this was the only thing that could explain why highly intelligent people uh, started to believe in, uh, in, in, in a narrative and in numbers that were, uh, in many respects, uh, utterly absurd. And so, um, now, four things need to be uh, need to exist or need to be uh, in place if you want large-scale mass phenomena to emerge. Uh, and uh, the first thing is that uh, there need to be a lot of socially isolated people, uh, people who experience a lack of social bond. Uh, the second one is that uh, there need to be a lot of people who experience a lack of sense making in lives, in life. Uh, and the third and the fourth uh, uh, condition uh, is that uh, there need to be a lot of free floating anxiety and a lot of free floating psychological discontent. So, um, uh, meaning uh, anxiety and discontent that is not connected to a specific representation. So it needs to be in the mind without the people being able to connect it to something. Mm -hmm. If you have these four things, lack of social bond, lack of sense making, 
uh, free-floating anxiety and free-floating uh, psychological discontent, then uh, uh, society is highly at risk uh, for the emergence of, of mass phenomena. And these four conditions existed shortly before the corona crisis. There was like an epidemic of burnout. Uh, over 40 to 70 percent of the people uh, experienced their jobs as completely senseless. This is described in, uh, in the book uh, Bullshit Jobs. Uh, by this professor of Harvard, of whom I always forget his name. He died uh, last year, I think. Um, and then, uh, and and if you look at the use of uh, psychopharmaceuticals, uh, it was huge. And then you, that this shows how much discontent uh, there was in our society. For instance, in Belgium, uh, every year, Belgians who are with, you are with uh, 11 million people uh, use over 300 million doses of antidepressants alone over 300 million doses so that's huge and so you, you see that these four conditions uh, um, uh, really existed uh, lack of sense making lack of social bond uh, free-floating anxiety and then uh, free-floating uh, discontent you have to know that free-floating anxiety is the most painful psychological phenomena someone can experience and so it's extremely unpainful it, it leads up to panic attacks to all kinds of extremely painful psychological experiences so what people want in this situation is something to connect their anxiety to they are looking for an explanation for the anxiety and now if this free-floating anxiety is highly present in a population and the media provide a narrative which indicates uh, an object of anxiety and at the same time describe a strategy to deal with this object of anxiety, then all the anxiety connects to this object and people are willing to follow the strategy to deal with this object no matter what the cost is. That is what happens in the beginning of mass formation. Then in a second step, people start a collective and heroic battle with this object of anxiety. And in that way, a new kind of social bond emerges and a new, and a new kind of sense-making. Suddenly, life is all directed at battling the object of anxiety and in this way, establishing a new connection with uh, other people. And that the sudden switch of a negative state, a radical lack of social connection, to the opposite, to uh, the massive social connection that is experienced in a crowd, the sudden switch leads up to a sort of mental intoxication. And that's what is, makes mass formation or crowd formation the exact equivalent of hypnosis. So all people who have been describing, who have been studying mass formations, such, such as Gustave Le Bon, for instance, uh, McDougall, uh, Canetti, have remarked that mass formation is not similar to hypnosis, that mass formation is exactly equal to hypnosis. Mass formation is a sort of hypnosis. So what happens is that um, uh, at that moment, when people experience this mental intoxication, it doesn't matter anymore whether the narrative is correct or wrong, even blatantly wrong, 
What matters is that it leads up to this mental intoxication. And that's why they continue to go along with the narrative, even if they could know by thinking for one second that it is wrong. That is the, 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 the central mechanism of mass formation. And that makes it so difficult to destroy it. Because for people, it doesn't matter when the narrative is wrong. And what we all try to do is we all try to show constantly that the narrative is wrong. But for people, that's not what it is all about. It's all about this, the fact that they don't want to go back to this painful state of free-floating anxiety. So what we have to realize if we want to change this state of affairs is that the first thing we have to do is to acknowledge this painful anxiety, to think about why we got in this state of lack of sense-making, lack of social bond, <laughs> a floating anxiety, this massive uh, 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 psychological discontent, and try to tell people, now, we don't need a corona, a corona uh, crisis to establish a new social bond. We have to look for other ways to deal with the psychological problems that existed before the corona crisis and try to find other solutions. We don't need uh, uh, this kind of, of, uh, of mass phenomenon to solve the, the, the problem. So actually, mass formation is actually a symptomatic uh, solution for, uh, for, uh, for a real psychological problem. And in my opinion, this crisis in the first place uh, is, a, is a large societal and psychological crisis, uh, much more than a, than a, than a, than a, a biological crisis, let's say. Um, so and from, from this state of mental intoxication, you can explain all the rest of the phenomena uh, of, of totalitarianism. And there's a, the, 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 um, uh, the mental intoxication leads to a, uh, to a narrowing of the, of the field of attention. It makes that people only see uh, what is uh, indicated by the narrative. For instance, people see the victims of the coronavirus, but they don't seem to see at the cognitive level, the, the, the collateral damage of the lockdowns and all the victims uh, uh, that are, that are uh, claimed by the lockdowns, they are also not able uh, at an emotional level to really feel empathy for the, for the victims of, uh, of the lockdowns. Uh, that is not because they are very egoistic. No, it's just an effect of, uh, of, uh, of, the, um, uh, of, of this, uh, this psychological phenomenon. And uh, it's, it's, it's definitely, it, it's even um, uh, as a consequence of mass formation, people do not uh, get egoistic at all. Rather, the, to the contrary, uh, mass formation focuses your attention so much on one point that uh, you can take everything away of people, their uh, uh, psychological and physical well-being, their, uh, uh, their material uh, well-being, you can take it away and they will even not notice it. And that's uh, uh, one of the, of the major consequences of mass formation. And it's exactly the same as hypnosis, as classical hypnosis. When a, hyp when a, when a hypnotist, when, when during hypnosis, someone's attention is focused on one point, you can, uh, you can cut in his flesh the person will not notice it. And that is what happens all the time uh, uh, when uh, uh, hypnosis is used uh, as a kind of um, uh, uh, anest anesthesia to, to during, during a surgical operations. Uh, a, a rather simple hypnotic procedure uh, uh, is sufficient 
um, uh, to make people completely insensitive to pain. Uh, um, uh, uh, you can, without any problem, cut in their flesh, even uh, under some uh, circumstances. You can perform an open heart operation in which the surgeon cuts straight through the to the breastbone, uh, and, this, and the person, the, the patient, will not notice this. And so that that shows us that the focusing of attention is is so strong, both in mass formation or in hypnosis, that people are really insensitive to all the personal losses they experience uh, uh, as a consequence. And so, uh, um, um, yeah. Another consequence uh, that is very typical for totalitarian states is that people become radically intolerant for dissonant voices. And so because if someone tells another story or if someone uh, claims that uh, the official story uh, is wrong, uh, then this person uh, threatens to wake the people up and they will get angry because we are, they are confronted with uh, the initial uh, anxiety and the initial uh, psychological discontent. And so uh, uh, they direct all their aggression uh, at these uh, dissonant voices, as at, the, at the other voices. And at the same time, they are radically tolerant for their leaders, for the people who, who pronounce the mainstream narrative. Um, uh, these people can actually cheat and lie and manipulate and do everything they want. Uh, they will always be forgiven by the crowd uh, because the crowd seems to think that they do it uh, um, uh, for their own sake. And that's, that's, uh, that's uh, 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 also part of the mechanism of, uh, of mass formation. 